Strange times for sure. Sportsnet 960, the fan is here for you. No sports, no problem. Pinder and Steinberg continues right now on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Happy Friday. Let's uh, do a roll call here. Even though Logo just gave it away on trending now. Um, We've got uh, Logan Gordon at the Basement Systems downtown studio. Spoiler alert. Hi, Logo. How are you, buddy? Yeah, sorry about that. It's okay. It's not a big deal. How are you? Are you are you excited? Are you ready for a weekend? Nah, they're all the same right now. Yeah, good point. We've got uh, Peter Klein in his uh, palatial uh, palatial studio uh, in Mission. Hello, Kleiner. How are you? Strange times for sure. Mm, yes, strange strange times indeed. Two radio hosts doing shows from different places. It's a miracle. But here we are doing them from different places. And uh, yeah, things are good. And let's uh, let's welcome our uh, our guest co-host today, and for a good chunk of next week as well. Let's give a big round of applause to Peter Labardius, who is also with us on the program today. Hi, Lou. Hi, guys. This How are we is, doing? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. You know, I had a chance on Twitter to to see one of Mr. Klein's companions. So that was fantastic. (laughs) And we all need companions at this critical, critical time in getting through our day-to-day life. So that was great. Um, You know, I've enjoyed listening to some segments that you guys have done over the last week or so. It's been enjoyable. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, excited to, you know, have a little bit of on-air normalcy. Thanks to our good pal, Mr. Nault, we've started a bit of a Friday tradition that we hope to keep going. So I've already been on the air once today with, uh, and I have to give the credit to old Jay DeForest for his thought process that he came up with a few years ago, which was, hmm, I wonder what Lou thinks. Hmm. So we've made that a bit of a Friday staple and we're having fun with that. So it's good. Anytime I can, uh, chat with you guys and have a good conversation you guys both know me well i could uh probably talk the branches off a lot of trees and i'm good at it <laughs> any um any highlights from hmm, i wonder what lou thinks because you've been doing that for what three or four weeks yeah, now every every friday now. at nine i don't know it's a great question patty it's it's been an interesting um opportunity and it's funny because What generally has happened, we go for about 35, 40 minutes. We have a tendency to start for the first, you know, I guess you might say in the radio world, a segment uh, in terms of kind of what's new. And then we open the door up to people to ask questions. Um, No, I don't don't know. You know, like today was pretty neat. Pete Vandermeer chimed in and and just wanted to say hello and huge listener to the station. That that guy that guy is an avid listener. You know, so um, yeah, it's 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 have had already some really really neat questions and you know part of the whole idea for me is you know just the opportunity to to get to know our listeners better um to take some intel on what they think is is important to address and you know again even i'm hoping we can do this a little bit before uh my time with you guys is done over the next week and you know maybe i'll get to play quiz master a little bit so 
I know you guys already have uh, Wild Card Wednesdays, but but I want to do a segment at least once. Just Lou wants to know, so I want to get a chance. Like I'm used to being the guy getting questions asked to. Yeah. Maybe I'm I'm going to go to a different neighborhood with with all three of you. I uh, and see where I'm we very go. much on board with that. Yeah, I'm game. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll have to do. We'll we'll do that now. What about you, Logan? Yeah, I'm I'm in. You're in. Okay. All right. Logan's Logan's done good with some of the like Klein Klein and I are very comfortable in our awkwardness. So like we don't like we we don't get uncomfortable when things are awkward just because it's kind of the world we live in. Um, but Logo's done a good job with some of the cringy questions that we've uh, we've had for him on on Wildcard Wednesday. So I uh, I think Logo would be uh, perfectly suited for that. Well, I, I think you're exactly right, and and I still I believe after what feels some days like 10 minutes and other days like 30,000 years of doing this in one form or another. I think the one thing that has never changed and I don't think ever will is that people are interested in people. And I do think sometimes that, you know, how the world has changed and, and the information that we have at our fingertips and how things have gone. I I still, and, and maybe I'm, completely barking up the wrong tree but i still think at the end of the day everything we do on this radio station um you know when we're talking about sports and we're talking about athletes and gms and i still truly believe and i think i always will until somebody proves me you know not wrong i don't like that word anymore right and wrong i'd like to toss right in the toilet somewhere and flush forever um but again just to have healthy discussion to get to know people and, and, and how they're feeling. And it's, you're right. It's, it's not an easy Avenue for a lot of people to go down, but I, I really think one of the most important things about the times that we're in is I think it demands a little bit more from all of us because, you know, we'll get, we'll get to sports here in a second, but this journey is not a lot of fun by yourself. I can, uh, I can vouch for that. There are, uh, there are times when it uh, it can be no fun by yourself, but um, you know what? It's uh, it, it's it's been it's been good to have this show. It's been good to it's mm-hmm. been uh, those are uh, those are big human interactions. It's been good to have the show. It's been uh, and it's been good to what I've really enjoyed, and I think Kleiner can vouch for this is that it's been fun to just kind of do things a little differently than what you're used to. Like you're so used to like right now, what is today? May 15th. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the flames would be in the second round. Maybe they wouldn't be, but the, we, we would be having conversations about this team and we'd be having conversations about last night's playoff games. And that's fun. And don't get me wrong. I enjoy having content on a platter. I do. But at the same time, I think anybody who's doing this medium is going to come out of this thing uh, significantly better for it because you just you have to you have to bring yourself to new places, right, Clan? Like you have to you have to do things that you're not used to. You have to have conversations that are much different than what you're used to. You have to absolutely train your brain to think about doing sports radio in a different way, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's there are a lot of times where you can just fall into, okay, what happened last night? This happened last night. What's going to happen tonight? This is going to happen tonight. And it becomes a little formulaic almost sometimes. So it's For been sure. it's been good to I mean, A, branch out from 
uh, sports into some non-sports conversations at times. Um, I know the morning show that was uh, a little bit more prevalent than, than in afternoons. Um, but no, it's it's been it's been actually a coming up with all this. I think uh, I think what Klein is saying is really good, but his mic's cutting in and out. So we'll uh, Klein a reset over on your end, and uh, we'll uh, we'll jump in. So Klein's having a couple of uh, a couple of technical difficulties. Lou, are you still there? And I just I've loved listening to the last few minutes because I agree, and and I don't know if you've felt this way, but it's so true. What Peter just talked about you know we all get into our rhythms and you know how we go about our business and you know Patty over the years and you know I know at times you've wanted to throw your hat and I don't blame you I'd have thrown my hat at myself in a few of our conversations but you know we we get into such a a formula of how we go about our business I find we don't even sometimes ask ourselves about why we do what we really do yeah, or why maybe, we, we're in a certain routine, right? Yes, why we're in a certain routine or, or what motivates us to do. Or even, you know, the people haven't heard it yet and, you know, we'll certainly have an opportunity to get to it. But, you know, I can say this on this show and I'm not sure what it means, but I openly over the years have had conversations you know, a, a sports junkie, nerd, whatever, someone whose almost entire existence, too much so, has re- revolved around sports. I've had, I'll be truthful, I've had conversations where I've said to people openly, listen, if there's no sports, you, you might as well, you might as well find me a nice lazy river to kind of go down and, you know, what's, what's kind of, you know, going to matter outside of that. And here we are, you know, two months, almost to the day, I believe, end of this situation. Yep. And I don't feel that way at all. And and I've really um, thought far more about, you know, the, the journey, what's really important. I've started reading again, which, Pat, as you know, I'm not a big reader, um, you know, really never have been. For a long time, my favorite book was something for Joey about John Capaletti that I think I read in grade five or grade six at Roland Michener Elementary School. Um, but it does. It, it, it takes you down a lot of different roads. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, um, Patty, if I'm not mistaken, you're going to turn, you know, 36 on the 3rd of October. Yep. Um, Pete, I can't remember exactly where you're at as far as the calendar is concerned. But, you know, the neat thing that we get to do each and every day is, you know, we all come at this from a different place. And here we are on this day in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic. And I think even in the first 12 or 13 minutes, we're having maybe a conversation right now that the three of us have never had. And I did. For sure. Maybe our listeners don't, and they might be already jumping on the text line to go, give us something sports, react to that CHL situation, do whatever you need to do. But anyway, I I just, I think it's great. I think that aspect, don't get me wrong. Would I love to be at a rink tonight? You're darn right I would. Am I going to maybe even 
love it because I just, I love live sports so much. Um, do I miss that? Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. But it, it's, it's been, I think a great opportunity to ask two big questions for all of us. And that's what's most important to you and who's most important. Agreed. Agreed. Well said. And uh, we are underway on the program this afternoon. Welcome to Pinder and Steinberg with uh, Peter Klein, <laughs> Logan Gordon, and Peter Labardius. Pinder's not here, but Steinberg is. Uh, we got a uh, we got a four person show for you. We're gonna, we got Lou sitting in with us today, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday of next week as well. I hear Lou's got a root canal. I, I don't even know. I don't want to oh. talk about it, Lou. That, like I don't even want to. Oh, you, you know things that that. Are, are you know are happening, but you're like you, you hate them so much you don't even want to think about it. So that's the only time we're going to mention it until after it happens. I promise. So let me uh, let me play this to distract you instead. Um, okay. We uh, we've got the show underway. Uh, we're up on Sportsnet 960 uh, on radio Sportsnet.ca/slash 960 on your Radio Player Canada app on your smart speaker at home or on Instagram Live at Steinberg 1984. All your different ways to catch the program today. Here was Brad Treliving yesterday, the general manager of the Calgary Flames, who was on his weekly conference call with the media. It happened at three o'clock yesterday, so we couldn't bring it to you yesterday, but recorded it and listened back to it last night and here was the big piece of news that a lot of people not just in this city but across the nhl uh definitely glommed on to i do suspect that you know we're, we're going to hear some news um next week um and uh you know probably the two obviously the two big issues right now relative to when we potentially a plan of what a, a restart would look like um and then draft um you know i think all, all the stuff with, with regards to when um uh, will continue to be up in the air until such time as the, the the authorities uh the medical authorities give the go-ahead but i think we i i do sense and it, it there's not state secrets here but i do sense some momentum that next week that maybe there could be um at least a uh, the a preliminary plan put in place for for where we go that certainly guys got a lot of traction yesterday when it was heard mm -hmm. okay well now all of a sudden there's uh, a little bit of momentum and a general manager in the nhl saying maybe an announcement next week here's a little bit more uh this from elliot friedman who joined boomer uh not boomer well it was boomer in the morning but joined pinder and will this morning on boomer in the morning here's what friedman had to say uh as he was asked about that as well i think there's a hope that um, you know, something in terms of a playoff format is going to be announced. I don't think it'll be today. I think it's more likely it'll be after the long weekend, but they're working on it. And there's some wrinkles. There's some things that they're really trying to get through. Um, but I don't think it's anything that's, you know, hugely problematic. It's just differing opinions on, um, you know, how the playoffs should work. I, I think right now we're talking about a 24-teamer. I know there's some teams who are grumbling about the addition of Chicago and Montreal, um, particularly because I think they don't want to play Carey Price in the East. But I, I think generally there's an understanding it's going to it's likely going to be 24. Um, and then I think now they're kind of debating the format because you know with 24 there's got to be a buy. 
the teams on top, top don't want to sit out while other teams are playing big games. I, I think the league wants the first round, that play-in round, to be two out of three. I think the players want it to be more three out of five. Um, so they're trying to figure out how to solve all this. That was Elliot Friedman on the morning show today with Will and Pinder. And, and guys, that's, that's the first time that we've actually heard some sort of concrete news about, okay, well, maybe we might actually get more than just speculation here in the very near future. And, uh, gents, Lou, you go first, but like it, it, it sure does, it sure does feel like that maybe we're, we're starting to get closer to knowing exactly what the NHL's plan for restarting is going to look like. Well, true, Pat, and I know that you've been in on those weekly conference calls as I have, and it's been an interesting case study in the sense that, you know, one week it feels like something really good's going to happen, and then sometimes the next week it's almost been the opposite. Uh, I think there is some true momentum. I, I don't think the general manager of the team goes to that place. I think, you know, the type of format that we're going to hear about is – you know, only really guys, the first step, you know, it's, it's one thing about in this day and age, determining how you're going to determine a champion. It's another thing to actually get to the most basic of basic things. That's playing another game and where are you going to do it and how are you going to do it and how are you going to train to do it? And when are you going to do it? But guess, guess what? What excites me is doesn't there have to be a starting place? And that's a starting place. Yeah, it's it's feeling more and more like it's a it's a when, not an if. That this stuff mm-hmm. really gets going. Um, the, the, it's it's feeling almost like we're, we're not even having the debates anymore. Of is this going to come back? It's going to be what's this going to look like when it comes back? And now we're starting to get closer to a consensus on what it's going to look like when this thing gets up and running. And like Lou said, we we try to sometimes overthink this where we go, okay, so what if this happens? And what if this happens? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's step one? And now it does appear like we're, we're getting to, to step one and things are definitely moving in a, a positive direction rather quickly, I, w- I would suggest, from the NHL's perspective. When you compare it to the NBA, who almost is sheepishly coming back, and Major League Baseball, which is an absolute tire fire right now, things have been progressing pretty well with the National Hockey League, I would say. It sure does. It actually, it's a good point, Kleiner. It sure does feel that way, doesn't it? it? It doesn't feel like they're... Now, we don't know because they haven't brought all those things to the players. And then that clip that you just heard from Elliot, um, he said that there there might still be some things that need to get worked out. But it, it sure does feel like there, there hasn't been anywhere near as much of those or near as many of those contentious issues. It, it, it Yeah, you've had different players come out with some thoughts of of maybe not loving everything that's been proposed but it sure does feel like both sides have been rowing in the same direction doesn't it yeah it does it really does feel like there there's been they they feel very much in sync over the last little while including players getting involved in some of the meetings and and some of the the panel discussions they've had and those types of things it it really has felt much more in sync than any of the other leagues which is not usually something we attribute with the National Hockey League and the Players Association but it's been pretty refreshing to see that you know what's been great guys and this isn't always the case because in a sense, in the scenario we're in, everybody wants to be first, right? Mm-hmm. I think we'd probably agree that most would like to be first. How about let's do it right? So 
Peter, you referred to the tire fire that is Major League Baseball. And I don't know about you guys, it's not playing very well with me. And I don't think it would be playing very, very well with a lot of people who are now out of work and who, in their own way, pay the bills. And I'm not leaning on one side or the other. It's both. So can I understand why players would come out and not want to take pay cuts if, you know, the billion dollar owners aren't willing to give anything up? No, you can both get together in the same rowboat and figure it out. So if the NHL, through other sports and through good leadership, understands right now that when you do come back, that you need to be unified. And I'm going to use this term a lot over the next week. Let's never forget in the process about getting back to the basics. And the basics is we need to understand what's important. And that's playing. And that's and that's having some normalcy back and having normalcy back for the players, the owners, um, the general managers and the fans. They matter. They matter and they need to matter. Yeah, it's and 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 I'm completely with you. We talked. I don't know if Lou, you saw the uh, Blake Snell comments. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, that's made. yeah. That's where a lot of what I just had to say, Patty. That's where know, it comes is, from. Is coming from. Yes. Yeah. It, and and it's a hundred percent fair. Like we we <laughs> neither Klein nor I had nice things to say about it yesterday. It was <laughs> like, oh, you know, for all the people that are out of work, you're talking about not getting your. 100% of your $7 million, and now you're talking about taxes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you're getting taxed on these millions of dollars. I don't know. Those people who are but, uh, but, getting $2,000 a, a month, and that's all they're getting. I'm sure they've got a lot of sympathy for you. Okay. Okay. That's That, that to me, guys, you're right. That's step one. But don't forget about who pays their bills either. 100%. 100%. Like, and there's like got, there's like, got to be concessions on both sides. Yes, there does. They're, they're, they're again, I mean, give the NHL a lot of credit for, frankly, how they've managed a lot of this. And, you know, that's the great thing about everything. If, if we care to actually ask some questions and, and listen and get to know, we, we can learn, you know. And, and if the NHL is using this opportunity to see some things about, you know, the other leagues that they're not all that fond of. But let's also understand this. The NHL's in a different position. And that's the other interesting thing to me. This is this is a league, I think, and Patty, you're great with numbers. Um, you know, you think about the NFL, for starters, and I know we're not there yet. They don't need to sell a single ticket. Yeah. Or a single T-shirt. Well, that's not the case in the NHL. And, and those other two leagues, thanks to their, you know, massive billion-dollar television deals, well, okay, boys and girls, you know, let's let's again, let's get back to the basics and, and let's for a change, think about this whole thing through somebody else's lens outside of our own. That's pretty important. And 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 I agree with you. I think the NHL to this point has done a really nice job of how they've gone about their business. Yep. 
And a little, little bit later on, a couple of things. We will hear from Brad True Living and uh, most of the comments. I mean, we, we, we trim it down a little bit, but most of what he had to say yesterday on that conference call, uh, we'll hear that a little bit later on today. And also we'll get into, you know, just, Lou, it's something you brought up, and, and Klein and I have talked about it before, like the, the whole, A, the idea of what it's going to look like when they return and what the reception is going to be when they return. We'll uh, get into that a little bit later on, and, you know, we can talk about a June draft and that type of stuff next week because I really want to get into that three-way chat about that as well. But uh, it's it's something that I, I do find fascinating, and I know, Lou, it's something that you're very interested in as well, is what, what type of what type of reaction is there going to be uh, if, when the NHL does come back? So we are underway on the program today, but coming up next, special guest. Not going to talk so much about what we just talked about. Instead, it's always story time with Craig Conroy whenever he comes on during a pandemic. Uh, the AGM of the Calgary Flames is going to join us around the corner, so stay tuned for Craig Conroy. We're up on IG Live, Steinberg 1984. We're online. We are on your radio, and we are taking you through your Friday afternoon. we got Peter Labardi sitting in with us all day. we got Kleiner. we got Logo. My name is Pat Steinberg. Happy Friday. Craig Conroy is next on Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Pinder and Steinberg continues on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Happy Friday. Hopefully you're looking forward to the May Long weekend. Let's see uh, if our next guest is looking forward to the May Long weekend as Craig Conroy, AGM of the Calgary Flames, joins us. Connie, you're on with uh, Steinberg, Peter Klein, and Peter Labardius on this Friday afternoon. How are we doing? Good, good. You got the whole crew there, man. Holy cow! We are we are not sparing any expense <laughs> in a pandemic. We figured we 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 we've barely uh, like you know we haven't got enough. There hasn't been enough Lou uh, during a pandemic because there haven't been games. So that it's, it's good to have Lou with us. Lou's probably forgot more stuff than uh, most of us know anyway. So I can't wait to hear what Lou has to say. <laughs> Craig, it's going to be fun today. I'm not going to start, but I'm going to use today to use the opportunity to uh, ask you a couple of questions that I've always wanted to ask you. Oh, perfect. I'm looking forward to yeah. it then. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I promise you. I don't Connie, even know like... what to expect. I'm a little nervous. No, no, don't <laughs> be. You, you've known me for a long time now. It, it can only get so difficult when I ask. So I might surprise you with the line of questioning, but it, it, it won't be anything to be nervous about that. I can tell you. Oh, perfect, perfect. I like it then. <laughs> and I promise I won't. I won't inadvertently get you in trouble today. I will not uh, go down any roads where you have. I promise it'll all just be easy stuff that you can. Although, even when we've told stories, you've gotten yourself in trouble by you know, yeah. wrong names on stories and stuff like that. So eh, you might still get yourself in trouble. I always. Uh, I, I did a webcast the other day, and I might have said something, and and uh, John Bean was on it. He's like. Really, you have to say everything, don't you? I'm like, that wasn't. I, I thought that was out on Twitter. <laughs> Craig, if it makes you, know, you feel better, that's that's never hurt me in my career either. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's definitely uh, not one of my strengths, keeping secrets. Well, I, I will. I won't put you in any positions for. Uh, 
the the only like the only relevant to now question I've got for you is uh, I know that you guys don't know when the draft is going to happen and you don't have any intel on that right now. Um, and if you do, don't say it on the air because that'll probably okay. get you in trouble. Um, but just how is how is prep going and you know how how is the list coming together? Are you guys starting to get finalized? If you did have to draft sometime in June. Well, we, you know, I mean, obviously we thought the drew, uh, the draft could happen early June is, you know, it, there was a possibility. So, you know, we got away, we got going right away. And we actually, today was our last call that uh, we kind of have everybody uh, on the list. So we probably have about around 50 people on the, on the primary list. And then we have like area lists that are broken off. So we probably, I think there was 86 guys that we had on there right now. So, over the weekend until next Wednesday, we'll probably everybody will go back, look at their area list, look to make sure we haven't missed anybody that we feel, hey, we want to put a Calgary Flame jersey on, and then uh, you know we'll come come back and do that, and then we'll really start to, uh, you know, we're debating on what to do. I think Brad's going to kind of call the league and find out are they going to do any kind of combine interviews? Are they going to set anything up? And if they're not, then we're going to try to set up with uh, players that we think might be around where our picks possibly could be. So we're moving along, but we still got a little bit of work to do before, uh, you know, before. But it looks like that, you know, obviously the draft changes every day, like the timing of it. But it looks right. like it's not going to be June. But I, I mean, I really don't know when it's going to be. So it, we, we're pretty, we're moving along pretty quickly. So we're in a good spot. I feel comfortable with the list, and I think the guys do too. So that's that's a positive. Okay, good to hear. I do, I do want to ask you. I think it was Pinder who asked you this question one of the last times you were on and we were kind of talking about your path to management and and the the new life after the playing days and and pinder asked you about the drafting success that this team has had i want to say going back almost over the last decade this team's drafting success has has really taken a step forward and you've started hitting on late round picks and you kind of touched on the philosophy of treat every pick so if you've got seven picks maybe you've got two first rounders but whatever you treat every pick as if it is your first pick and i you take a look at some of the the late round hits that you've had sometimes a team can get lucky but i feel like with as many that you have had in later rounds over the last five or six years there has to be more than just luck that goes into it so can you can you delve into the draft strategy and and how you guys approach each draft knowing that the success you've had in in getting nhlers all across the board of late you know i think the one thing is we always want to try to you know, improve on what have we done well? What haven't we done well? Where have we missed guys? You know, what attributes that we thought maybe weren't as important or we overlooked a little bit that now you're looking at guys five years later saying, huh, how did we, how did we not have him hired? Why, what was it about him that we, we didn't kind of feel comfortable with? So I think that's the first thing. And we're always trying to come up with better ideas moving forward how we're going to build this team but i think especially in the in the later rounds you know the focus is always what does he bring what's his one nhl quality is he such a high-end competitor you know is it you know the skills through the roof is there something okay maybe usually when you get to those rounds it's uh you know, maybe he's not a great skater maybe the size isn't there maybe there's always something that maybe we're questioning but we're looking at all of it and saying, okay, what does he do? What 
could he be like as an NHL player? And, you know, do I want to put a Calgary Flames on him? I mean, that's the big thing for the guys. Like we always say, we don't want to put a jersey on anybody you don't feel comfortable with putting a Calgary Flames jersey on, then don't put him on your list. You know, you have to want the guy. And I think that's when it comes down to, like a guy like Terry Dorn, when uh, when Manji was, uh, it was his pick, he was adamant we had to take this guy. Terry Dorn was like, this is the guy, we have to take him. And he kind of would go through what he what he felt and why. But he just had such a strong belief. I mean, if you ask Brad next time you're on, it'll be interesting to see what he said. But, you know, at the table, uh, Terry was just so adamant that he wanted him. You know, you just feel like, okay, let's do it. You know what? You love the passion. You love guys that say step up and, you know, because in the end it's on Terry. So if it didn't work out, he, you know, and you're going to be wrong. But, I mean, he felt like this is a guy I think is going to get a chance to play in the NHL. And, you know, here we are, fast forward a few years and, uh you know, he's done a great job for us and he's only getting better. So, yeah. you know, to have him pick him and, and do it pretty, but that's how we kind of do it. I mean, obviously we want something special, something different, you know, because it's great if you said, okay, the guy does everything. Okay. He just does everything. Okay. You can find those guys on waivers. You can probably get those guys somewhere else, but if you can find a guy with some special attributes, they just say, you know, I mean, even the Johnny thing, that was a, that was not a lock. That wasn't like, automatic we're going to take Johnny like you know because some guys just thought oh, he's too small he's dynamic he's fun to watch but you know that's a USHL this is you know now he's got to go to college and if he plays in the AHL and NHL how does it translate we don't know you know but they just in the end he was just so special that they said let's take a chance let's take a chance on something special and, and see how it works out and then you got to give the player credit too I mean Johnny's just from the time he got drafted to the time he came to Calgary, he did nothing but make himself look more and more, you know, like a superstar, you know, to win a Hobie Baker, to go in and do what he did at the world juniors, to win a national championship. I mean, it's just, you know, that's all credit to him, but it's a lot of credit to our guys because even when we drafted him, people are like, Oh, we liked him, but he's pretty small. We'll see how it works out. And now you look back and probably all, other teams would love to have Johnny Gaudreau on their team. So, you know, yeah. I give uh, give Todd and the staff credit because they stepped up and took him, you know. Um, and, and that would have been, you know, the other guy we had boxed with Johnny was Kucherov. So we we there was some debate at the table about taking Kucherov with the, I think it was Granlin pick or uh, Witherspoon. It was, I mean, it was almost there, you know, and I think Tampa took him the next pick. So, we had him in the right spot. We moved away from him and would have been kind of special if you could have got both those guys, but you know, that's how the draft works. You have to make decisions and we went one way and uh, you know, and you just see how well those guys are doing, but it's, it's definitely not an exact science science. You're going to make some mistakes, but we try to, you know, limit and learn from the ones we have and, and be better next, uh, next time around. So, it's it's funny because I was gonna jump right into the the Gaudreau pick because that was your that was your first draft as as part of the management group, right? Yeah, that was the first one. So, you know, the one thing about with with Johnny, I was kind of listening to all the things I was in, so I wasn't you know in in and know exactly. I was watching players at the end of the year, but I never got to see Johnny. You know, the only thing that I knew was my agent Lewis was like, you you guys have to take this guy. Like, if you have an opportunity, I'm like, oh, perfect. And he, you know, so I'm listening about him. 
I'm reading all the reports. I'm seeing all the stuff. And then Lewis is telling me all this stuff. And so as we're sitting at the draft, I'm like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to, if he's still there, one pick away, we're going to take Johnny. And I kind of text Lewis because I could see where Lewis was sitting. I said, hey, just checking. I'm like, I see you. Where, where is Johnny? You're not with Johnny. You're with another player. He's like, oh, I saw Johnny not to come to the draft. I didn't want to bring him. I'm like, what? He's like, well, you know, you're a smaller guy. I thought we just didn't want him to be in the stands. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> so, you know, when we and then we made the pick, and, uh, you know, and finally when we got to see him at development camp, came in. I just couldn't believe. I think it was Buma, and then uh, I forget, there was two or three guys that had played in the American League that year, and Johnny did like a little two-on-two, uh, maybe Breen, the big defenseman that we used to have. Yeah. They went head-to-head against him. I mean, he undressed those guys. I was like, what the heck? And I went down actually and said to the guys, hey, I know he's small, but hey, you know what? He's kind of embarrassing. He, like, you can finish him. If you can, they're like, we can't hit him, Craig. He's just too quick. Like, we can't do anything. We're trying. It is embarrassing. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting because he was so, even right away, that quickly, you're just like, wow. And then the next year, I think it was Monaghan and him played together in uh, the scrimmages in the development camp and the chemistry was unbelievable. I'm thinking, Oh my God, these two guys together. It was just, just like you see now in the NHL. That's exactly what you saw with those two on the ice. So it was, you know, you could see that chemistry right from the get go. And and now it's, you know, everybody knows what it's like now. So it's, it's, it's fun, but that was, you know, a couple guys were mad and upset at that pick during the draft. Like uh, the Gaudreau pick, like they said, really, we're gonna go with a guy that small. But the majority of the guys felt comfortable, and Todd made the made the call. So it was a, ended up being a great a great pick, obviously. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, and and I love the story on on how you get a player like Johnny Gaudreau in round number four. And and I've talked to you about it a ton of times before, and it always fascinates me every time uh, I hear you talking about it. We're chatting with Calgary Flames assistant general manager Craig Conroy on the program today, Mr. Peter Klein. Uh, you're talking about different uh, people in management having kind of banging on the table for different players. Do you remember your first one where you were like, no, 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 we have to go with this guy? Well, I think it was Matty Phillips. Again, another smaller guy. Mm-hmm. I just got going with all the smaller guys, but uh, it just, he was a guy I walked out every rink and I knew, I knew the size and, and you think, you know, how many small guys can we have? But, you know, he just every every single time we walked out, I said he was the best player on the ice again. He was the best player on the ice, you know. And then I remember we were sitting there during the draft, and Todd said, "Hey, this would be a perfect time if you want Maddie Phillips, you know. What are you thinking?" I'm like, "No, I I would love to get him. Like, if let's if we if you want to take him right now, you're going through all the other players. So I'm like, this is yeah, let's let's get Maddie right now, you know. So it was kind of exciting because you know obviously the the first few rounds, it's uh it's a, not easier, but you know, you can see those guys. You're like, okay, Hey, were we excited? Were we all pounding? We couldn't believe Matthew Kachuk was going to be there. Like those things we knew were coming. Um, but when you get later, you don't know how people are going to fall to you. So for me, I think probably the first one where I really was like, okay, it was probably Maddie Phillips. You know, obviously there was other guys. You're always, sometimes you feel comfortable with, with the other guys battling. And you're just like, I totally agree with that pick, right? This is going to be, you know, if we can get him in the fourth round, we're loving it. You know, there's always a few that when it comes to that pick, 
you're like, you're so excited. It's the pick, you know, you have one more guy and they, and the guy gets picked. You're like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it gets all the way to us. And you're so excited. You're like, I really want this guy. And next thing you know, God, you're like, oh, that hurt. <laughs> but it's happened. It's amazing. You think it wouldn't happen that often. It's probably happened four or five times where you're thinking, oh, I can't, I can't wait to get this guy. And then, boom, pick before you, long gone. Um, so with the Matthew Phillips, if there was someone who was disagreeing with you on that one, do you send them Phillips highlights and go, hey, called it. Told you, nailed it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's the thing. You don't know. I mean, you never know. But and that's why I was so pissed off this year when they brought him up in in Phoenix, and he didn't get to play. I mean, I always tell the story. Probably him and his parents were more excited than me, but I was pretty excited. And then when I'm like, I finally got to the TV, and they're like, "Healthy scratch." I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> that's not even right." So. It's fun to watch him, how well he's done, how well he's kind of, and he just keeps getting better. You know, it's kind of like the way Manji has done it. He he went in and he's worked hard. He's here every summer, does all that stuff. But, you know, you want those guys, and it's amazing. You want every single guy. I mean, I think maybe being a six-round pick myself, it's not that I like the lower rounds, but I know they're going to have to go through a little bit more. It's not, not that the first-rounders don't, but the first-rounders get quite a bit get a little more leeway. I mean, that's how I always felt when I'd watch him come into Montreal and St. Louis and wherever. But it's the later pick guys. I'm like, okay, let's see what they got because it's going to be, it's not going to be quite as easy. We treat them all the same, but let's be honest, there is definitely a a pecking order for sure. And these guys, when they come through, it's exciting. Now, uh, shifting gears a little bit, one of the things that I really enjoyed when uh, Jerome was getting his jersey retired was some of the stories you were telling about how teams would poke the bear and that would kind of anger him a little bit. And we've seen in the uh, the, the Last Dance, the, the documentary with MJ, where he would kind of make up things sometimes, like a guy didn't say hi to him at dinner one night and he torched them for 60 the next game. Would you ever make up something to get Jerome going like, hey, did you hear what Adam Denmar said about you? Would you ever have to kind of poke the bear on your own to get him rolling? Oh, you know what? I mean, it wasn't hard. You you would because you knew that's what he was like. So you were like, I just think Bertuzzi said something. Like he's like, what? Are you kidding me? What has he got? He's not even coming near me out here. <laughs> like when we played Vancouver, like it was so easy to get him going that it uh, it didn't take much. You just have to say because he'd always say, what did that guy say? I'm like, ah, oh, he was just chirping. It's no big deal. He goes, you know, you know, you can't skate backwards, whatever. He's like, what? <laughs> but a lot of times, it was amazing how many guys though thought they would challenge him and that that was going to be a good thing for them, for their team. And I'm thinking, this is great for us. I just would sit back and let him go, you know. And you're like, I mean, I try to tell every every time he came in to play us in LA, I'm like, Ace, just just let him sleep. Like he, sometimes you can sleep, like just. He's like, oh yeah, you and your buddy. I'm gonna get him going. And sure enough, and then they they beat us. I'm like, well, good job, Ace. You had two more goals tonight. You got in a fight. Like, we don't want this. But yeah, <laughs> it never took much. And the one thing about Jerome, like, is he's got a long fuse off the ice. On the ice, it is like quick. He goes from like zero to a hundred in like a split second. You're like. What just and and sometimes I don't even know what happened out there, and he's just losing it. <laughs> but I, I'm like, oh, this is great. I don't I don't know what happened, but uh, and that's what I always said. Like Gio was like, why does Drum want to fight me all the time? I'm like, gee, let's be honest. He's skating to the bench after the play. You two hand him behind the legs, 
and then you wonder why he's pissed off at you. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> oh, that was a love tap. That was a love tap, Connie. <laughs> you know, so then Jerome's like, I am going to kill him. <laughs> so, but that's how easy it, w- it was to get him fired up. I mean, just tap him on the back of the legs and, you know, and he loves Gio and their buddies. But I'm like, he's like, I'm like, oh, daddy wants to kill Gio right now. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, uh, everyone loves the, the 2004 team. Um, if this pandemic was happening during that 04 season, you had this long break. Uh, do you have any teammates that you would worry about staying in shape? And why would that teammate be Rhett Warner? Because he had too much fun. Let's be honest. Him, <laughs> Reggie. Commodore, Monty, pretty much I'd be worried about Kipper. I'd be worried about the whole team pretty much, <laughs> except for maybe a few guys. That team, uh, Sean Donovan could eat more, more food than most people I ever saw. And as skinny as he was, like, I'd be like, how does this guy eat all those, you know, those big King Snicker bars? He can mm-hmm. eat three, like in 10 seconds. I'm like, did he just eat three of those? They're like, he's like, Oh, I was starving, Connie. <laughs> But never gained a weight, never a pound. Like, it was amazing. But, uh, yeah, I would be pretty much that whole team, I'd be I'd be very nervous. I mean, and let's be honest, Rhett and Reggie were the ringleaders of that crew, the young guys going out, all the fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, they didn't always eat well. I mean, I think Rhett would have more nachos than anybody, but hands down. Like, you're like, geez, I'm Rhett can eat. <laughs> Chatting with uh, Greg Conroy what? It would be a lot of fun. Let's put it that way, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm sure they wouldn't be bored. That's uh, that's for certain. Uh, chatting with Craig Conroy here on Pinner and Steinberg. Lou? Uh, Mr. Conroy, I don't have enough time to ask you all the questions I'd like, but I, I'd want to start with this. So you spend your whole life, you know, having a dream and playing in the NHL and having an excellent career, and then you move into management. So whether it was in your first um, scouting meetings or your new role, how quickly um, did you sit back at home or with your wife and go, well, I thought it might be this, but this is something maybe very different than what I bargained for. Well, it it didn't take long, Lou. Like, I'm not kidding. Like you, as a player, you think, you know, what's going on. Like you think, you know, what's going on, what's going on up above everything. And really, you don't really know anything. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like, I mean, I remember the first day they bring you in, they give me my computer. They're like, okay, this is rink net. This is, you know, and you're like, what, like, how do I, this is where you schedule this, is where you put all your, your receipts, everything goes. I mean, they kind of walk you through it, but it, for them, it's nothing. But for me, I'm like, oh, boy, I'm like, you know, just to kind of get up to speed, how you do your travel, how you do everything. Like it was, you know, in the meetings, you know, I remember it was pretty quiet in those first few meetings, just kind of listening, trying to get a feel, you know, the read on players, the different terminology everybody uses because everybody's got their own thing. I think Tommy Webster, uh, who just passed away this year, was really helpful to me. You know, he said, hey, Craig, you have to whoever you like doesn't matter if I like him, if Todd likes him, if, if you like a player, then put it down. You know what? You like that player and why you like that player. I mean, you played a long time. Who would you want to play with as a winger? Who would you want to play with as a, you know, to work with as a defenseman? Who, you know, that's what you need to do. Kind of put yourself in those different players' positions and then 
you know, what makes you feel like I want that guy to be a Calgary Flame? You know, he goes, and we're going to be wrong, Craig. We're going to be wrong a lot. Can't be wrong too much, you know, every time, but we want to make sure, you know, you're thorough. We do all the background, everything we do. So it was, uh, you know, the scouting part's hard because you're like, I like this guy. I don't like that guy. Then you go back the next game, you're like, whoa, that guy was awesome. And, and, you know, you, then you're thinking, oh, it was just a bad game. So, you know, that's why we talk about we want so many viewings on guys because they, they might just have one bad game. If you went to one or two or three games, they could have a couple bad games out of those. But, you know, if you get to four, five, six, seven, you know, all of a sudden you're like, okay, this is – you want to paint a picture of kind of what this guy is going to be, what kind of player he's going to be in the NHL, and maybe who, who he's going to – you know, everybody's different. But his style of play is going to relate to probably someone in the NHL who would he fit in with? And that's kind of what, uh, how it started. But the meetings were battles. I mean, I would sit there. And I love it though, because it was, those were the meetings were battles and trade deadline. It's all great. Cause I got moved a couple of times at the deadline. <laughs> so not to be getting moved was a great feeling, but it also was a hard feeling, especially with having our guys here. Like when we moved to Rome, that was not very fun, you know? So there was some, Definitely huge learning curve for me as far as the coaching side, the, everything that kind of went on. And luckily for me, Ken King let me see into the business side a little bit. And that was amazing too. I mean, to see how they do that. I mean, and it's amazing salesmen. I don't know if I could sell like that. Well, we see it and, and the guys, they do an amazing job. I mean, it's uh, it, it just it just flows. You know, it's like watching Wayne Gretzky play hockey that's how these guys do it and uh, you know that was a huge learning curve for me too and Ken was definitely the best at it I mean he he could get money out of I'm like how did you just do that he's like oh no and I just gave him the walk and they took it I'm like oh okay I didn't know if they wanted that or not <laughs> so you know it was just uh, overall it was a learning curve but I bet you it was a couple years before you really felt comfortable you know you get a little nervous in the meetings and you know you just you want to do the right thing all the time and make the right play. But you have to learn, Hey, you're going to make mistakes. Just go with your heart and you've done the work and kind of put, put it out there. Craig, I've uh, had the pleasure of, of dealing with you in a number of different roles, whether it was getting to know you just a little bit as a player in my early days. And now, um, you know, some of my favorite Craig Conroy times, to be honest, or, when Craig and I uh, spend some time together in the press box watching some junior games and going back and forth. And I, I guess the one question that I ask today is you never walk into a room where I don't think that you always create what I would say, and I've said this to you before, and I don't want to embarrass you, but you're one of the few people I've met in 35 years of covering the game that you have such an incredible dynamic personality and an energy and what i've never asked you and i think people deserve to hear your side of it where does that energy like where does that come from was it was it your parents was was it something along the way um because frankly the truth of the matter is i just i've never met many people like you who can bring that into just about every room every meeting that I've ever seen you enter. Well, it's funny. I mean, people ask me that and I have to say, it's really my mother's side of the family. If I brought you to Potsdam and we went to a, 
you, you know, if you went to like a barbecue, went out and we're having a couple beers, you'd be like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Because I'm probably not even the most over the top, I guess I would say. You know, my uncle Tommy, Stevie, it's just the whole family's like that. It's just always that's what I've been around. That's the way I've been raised. You know, you want to make everybody feel welcome. And especially growing up in a small town like that, you knew everybody. I was related to half the people, and then I knew everybody else. You walked down the street, everybody knew your name. You know, I knew them, they knew me, I knew all their kids. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that was just instilled. My mom was like, hey, you know what? Treat everybody with respect. Go in there. You know, no matter what you are, if you're having a bad day, no one needs to know that. You know what? Just go in, be respectful, have fun, but bring that excitement to, to everything you do. And he goes, you know, people, it's contagious. People will want to be around you. That's, you know, part of the, what you have to do. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and it just kind of came naturally, though. But I enjoy it, too. I mean, I, go, I love walking in those scouting rooms seeing guys, seeing guys that you haven't seen in a while and then telling stories and sitting. I mean, that that's fun. You know, that's fun. And when you and I get back and I know you've watched a player, you know, and I always tell you, you'd be an unbelievable scout. You know more players, more information, more background than we could ever hope to know. And uh, But to be able to sit and talk back and forth with you, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with you love what you're doing. You know, you're having fun doing it and it doesn't feel like a job. I mean, I don't want to tell Brad or anybody that, but it just feels like, hey, <laughs> you know, you're building something, you're trying to win something together, and uh, you want good people around you, and I think that's what we have here, a lot of good people, and, and a lot of good people that even are, are on our staff, like yourself and Pat, I mean, enjoy enjoy talking to everybody, and even just in conversation, having a beer or whatever, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. Craig, what motivates you now, more than ever what when you get out of bed in the morning and and you know you go to the rink or when things are even even today on what what for you is kind of next and what excites you the most about what's kind of left in your journey because i think there's going to be you know some more pretty neat things before your hockey days are all said and done for me it really is i mean it's so simple it's just a stanley cup it is just the Stanley Cup. I mean, that's what that drives you. You know, I think, especially now, you watch the 04 run, you watch, you know, you see the 89 team playing, you see them, and you think, God, I want to do that again, and I want to do it for Calgary. You know, and I want to do it for every guy, you know, the Matthew Gachucks, the David Riddich, all these guys on the team, you want them all to experience that and experience it together because they're great guys. You know, my part is helping to put that team together and hopefully getting them there, you know, to the final goal, which is win a Stanley Cup. Because there's no better feeling. I mean, we've only won one round since I've been on management side. And it was, I've never been so excited after a win when we beat Vancouver to go to the second round. I mean, it just, I can't even imagine if we won four rounds. You know, it just, because, I mean, I, every game, I enjoy every game. I have fun at the games. I, you know, it's, but you, you're working. But, like, that first playoff round and every playoff game really sense, it's just a whole other level. You're thinking, now we have a chance. Our goal is to win a Stanley Cup, and here we go. You know, unfortunately, we haven't done it yet, but that's what drives me every day, you know. How do we get these guys? And it's also to see young players play in the NHL. You know, nothing – I mean, that's why when, you know, Phillips was called up, 
and didn't get that first game, it killed me. It killed me. <laughs> and then, and then he got hurt. I was like, what? You know, but that's, that's what happens. You know, that's, that's pro sport and that's part of the game. But, you know, in my mind, I thought, you know, I, like I tell everybody, the worst day I ever have is when we make cuts and, because I was that guy. I was the one that was cut. I wasn't, I mean, everybody's goal is to play in the NHL and some guys aren't ever going to play there. They're only going to play maybe in the American League, which is still great, but they have a dream to play in the NHL. So, you know, I guess to win a Stanley Cup's the first thing and then get as many of these young guys as we can playing in the NHL is, uh, is what drives me and motivates me to, to keep going every day. We're chatting with Craig Conroy, Calgary Flames assistant general manager on the program today. Uh, we got Peter Labardius, Peter Klein with us as well. Two more for you. Uh, first of all, and, and it's funny because Lou asked you that question, and I was, I was thinking as, as one of my closing questions, I was going to go down a similar road. Uh, Lou asked you about like where that comes from and, and what drives you and, you know, that, that energy and the personality. But like while you were playing, did you ever think to yourself, huh? You know, maybe if I'm um, if I'm nice to these media people, they might be nice to me. Like, was that ever in the front of your mind? Was that ever calculated, or did it just kind of end up that way? Uh, no, I don't think I ever – I just did it because, hey, you guys have a job. And there was days I was mad at, you know, the media or whatever. But, you know, I thought I can either be a jerk or how far is that going to get me? You know what? In the end – you know, when Randy was here with all the different guys, I looked back to Dave Lukens and saying, like, they were there doing a job. They're doing their job. And they and they're, they have good and bad days, too. So, I mean, every, for sure, when you read about yourself or hear yourself, I mean, Eric Francis pisses me off a lot. But, you know, as long as he, I feel like it's a fair comment, I'm okay with it. But in the end, you know, and I tell all the young guys coming in, as much – if you're good to them in the good times and you're good to them in the bad times, they're going to help you in the bad times. So maybe I do have a little bit of a, you know, maybe I did have a little bit of, hey, I better not be a jerk. Especially when you're in my position, when you don't even know you're going to play in the NHL, you know, why do you want to treat them poorly? Especially if they're going to write articles about you and talk about you on TV and because they can crush you. I mean, I told Dion that that was one of the things when I got here, I'm like, Dion, you're so hard on the media. And he's like, oh, well, you know, he was Dion. But I said, if it ever goes bad, it's going to get bad. And sure enough, kind of at the end of his time here, he'd come to me with these articles and say, look at what they said. I'm like, well, what do you think? They had to write good things about you, <laughs> even when you're being a jerk to him at times. But now things aren't going well. Yeah, they're going to write this, Dion. So, you know, I think I told Mike Camilleri when he was a young guy, hey, I know you're going to be mad at the media, but – in the end, they have a job. They have families. They're paying, you know, they're paying their bills through this. There's no re- reason to be a jerk to them, you know, in my opinion. But there's definitely days when I'm mad when I would be looking for Eric Francis in the locker room and at least want to talk to him. And be like, really? You you think that's true, you know? And then at least I could kind of hash it out. But, uh, you know, for the most part, the media has always been great to me right from the beginning, above and beyond. So I never had any problems you know, other than maybe Eric when I first got here, I thought he was didn't give me a chance to prove myself as a player, and he was like ripping the crap out of me, and it it was rubbing me the wrong way. But you know, he, I said oh, I'm going to show him, I'm going to turn him around, and he's gonna he's gonna appreciate what I do, hopefully eventually. And and you know what? 
with that said, when it did go start going well here, he did he was great to me after that, you know. So it wasn't. But at the beginning, I'm like, oh, he's not even giving me a chance. That's what pisses you off as a player. But yeah, I didn't. I still didn't hold it against him. I just said, oh, okay, I'm going to show him. It kind of drove me. Okay. So I'll show you guys. I think I, you've only ever gotten mad at me once when I I won't name names, but I we were talking about another player and I I compared him to you and. <laughs> I got a text from somebody else saying, what is Steinberg doing comparing me to this player? I, 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 I won't tell you what player it was because I don't want to throw anybody else out of the bus. But you're like, what I'm not? What, what are you talking about? I was, I was way better than that player. And then I had to explain what my comparison was. <laughs> well, sometimes I listen to the radio and I only catch parts of them. That's the other bad thing. I'm like, what, what did he just say about me? It's <laughs> a good point. But I'm always listening. <laughs> I know. Oh, I, I know. And I know that you're not the only one. I know there's – I'm always – if I say something, I'm always like, huh, I wonder who heard that, and I wonder <laughs> I wonder if I'm going to get a, a side eye the next time I see somebody. I, I'm, I, that, that, always, that always enters uh, the front of my mind. Okay, last, uh, last question for you, and you mentioned it about the, uh, the Jerome trade. Uh, we kind of know the story as to how it went. And, you know, this, it was a different management group. So uh, I, I think that, you know, you might be able to, to tell a story or two. But, like, we all remember how it went down, and I remember it vividly. We all thought he was going to Boston. We all thought that we knew where it, what, what the trade was going to look like. But I, I had heard from a couple of people that, like, eh, no, no, like, it was, it was wrong from the get-go, and everybody behind closed doors is just like, he's not going to Boston, he's going to Pittsburgh, we just can't announce it yet. So how much glee did you take during that whole time? I know that that was a tough day for you because you were trading your boy, but when you, when you look back and you knew that everybody was wrong and you guys had this huge state secret uh, and you shocked the world when Jay Feaster announced he was going to Pittsburgh, uh, t- take us through the behind-the-scenes that day when everybody was reporting one thing when it was going the other way. Yeah, I actually was hoping we were going to, you know, that it's funny because this is one of the things I guess with Peter and I, we always talk about. I don't like to make anyone look foolish or whatever. I would have rather called and said, hey, listen, you're, you're, you're just going down the wrong path. It's, you're wrong. Like, because I don't think it's, you know, because what happens is everybody in the media was wrong and we were not going to get the exact value we wanted for, you know, both either deal. We weren't getting Jerome McGillan value at that time. So in my own mind, I sat there thinking, oh, please, let's just, because when, you know, people are embarrassed, people are going to be wrong. People are going to be embarrassed. And then I thought they're going to come after us with a vengeance. And that's kind of what happened. You know, when we did it, I would rather just tell people, maybe not tell them to trade, but just call and say, hey, you guys are on the wrong path, you know. And Peter and I always talk about what the right thing to do is. But, yeah, like even from the afternoon, I called Jerome, and it was weird because he didn't come to the pregame skate. So I said, hey, how's everything going? You and Donnie, he said, everything's good. I said, he said, I I know you guys have Boston and Pitt. I said, yeah. And what I said to him was, hey, you've done everything for this organization. Where do you want to go? I mean, in the end, you and Donnie can make that decision. I think both trades are just, they're very similar. There's, you know, would we rather maybe have the boss? Yeah. But with that said, you know, uh, 
either one, you know, and Drew, you deserve that to do whatever you want. And he, I think really Don, me and, and him sat down and they made that decision. And I think he should be able to make that decision. You know, I think people were pissed that he made it, but, and felt like, oh, he did that. But in my mind, he had that right. And I, the only thing that I didn't like was that it, everyone was going down the wrong direction. And that was, I didn't want to embarrass them. You know, in right. the end, you're like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> and then we got killed for not getting enough for Jerome. So, you know, it, that's kind of the, the only thing that I will say is Cam Neely said, and I wish we would have told maybe Jerome this at the time, was I think they would talk about an extension. It was part of one of the conversations at some point along the way. I don't even remember when. Jay Feaster piped. But I don't think Jerome ever heard that. And I don't know if that was related to Donnie or if he got lost somewhere. But it's weird because after the after the fact, I remember in the summer, Drum's like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of teams. You know, I have some teams, but I'm not sure where I want to go. And I said, the weird thing is, I said, you could have had an extension maybe in, because he wasn't going back to Pittsburgh. I said, Boston was talking about an extension. He goes, what? He goes, really? He goes, you think I should call him? I'm like, no, I wouldn't call <laughs> I'm like, you turned them down. They're not going to watch you now, I don't think. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to ask Donnie to call and see. And then sure enough, he signed there. I thought, you've got to be <laughs> You know, it shows how big they were in an organization to say, hey, you know what? You didn't pick us the first time, but, you know, we still want you to be part of it. So it, it definitely, you know, I think those little things, and I don't know where it kind of fell that, you know, Jerome didn't know about that, but I think his I think Pittsburgh had won 17 games in a row though. And they looked like the, the favorites to win the cup. And I can understand why they came back and said, listen, we want to go to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And I mean, he had some, I think he went to the Eastern conference final that year before losing out to the Bruins. So it was uh, like the, the two teams, he, he made one of the two right choices, even though they didn't end up beating Pittsburgh, uh, rather in, in ending up beating Boston in that Eastern conference final. Uh, good stuff as always, Connie, we appreciate the time. Uh, we, we really do. And uh, you've been so good to us during this uh, very bizarre time in the sporting world. So thank you for the stories, my friend, uh, and uh, enjoy your long weekend. Yeah, you guys do the same thing. Hopefully everybody, uh, what do you have going? Anything? Lou, what do you got? Anything, What do Lou? I have? Yeah. Barbecue I, uh, in the backyard? <laughs> no, no, I'm not big on the barbecuing. Um, thank goodness oh. for Nancy. Um, no, I, uh, believe it or not, Craig, I spent uh, the morning watching the top prospects game. So oh. I'm, uh, <laughs> I know Doing that'll draft shock prep. you. Yeah, well, I'm getting ready to do a few draft profiles in the next little while. So, um, yeah, that's. I'm Are you going to put a, a list out, Lou? Um, you, you put a list, or no? I don't put a list. Every year, though, no. Greg, Sam Cosentino, my good friend, and I, we get together and have a blast doing a mock draft, which, as you know, is next to impossible to try to put together because you have to know exactly what everybody's thinking. But I, I do know this, um, and we don't need to keep you for any longer. Uh, pretty good looking first round, I would suggest. And fascinated by your groupings of guys. Because I, I don't think people always realize that that's a big part of it, right? I mean, you group certain guys together as you go down that seven-round road. Oh, exactly. I mean, that it really is a science. I mean, when, when you go through it and you look at how we do it, and we're – 
you know, Chris Snow and his, his guys are trying to make it as streamlined as possible. So you can, as you get down, you know, are you willing to move down? Because you have to do things quick. Are you willing to move down five spots, six spots, and still like that player? Are they in the same group? You know, sometimes if you go out of that grouping, we're like, no, we don't want to move down because we, when we group them, we say, if we can get one of these five players in the third round, we're happy. But if we can move down five spots and still get one of our players and an extra pick, you know, that's what you have to know, but it, it happens quick and it's, uh, but it's exciting. I'll tell you, that's one thing Lou, you would love being at the table because oh. it's, uh, there's some action and it's, uh, especially when the phone rings, I'm like, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it would be fun to, to be in one of those rooms, just to sit in the corner and hear the discussions and the amount you could learn, you know, it's cause you know, I love the whole player evaluation side. It fascinates me, but but the other thing is, and I didn't ask you, but, you know, it's it's one thing for people to go to the rink and see a good player. It's another thing when you've got to decide on 10 guys and they're all like right in the same wheelhouse. It, people, I think, sometimes think it's way easier than it is. It's it's an incredibly difficult job. Oh, it is. And especially when you start like, OK, a guy in your and the guy in the OHL Quebec league and you try to get them and they are so close. I mean, they really, and they're young kids, you know, so you're trying to get mentally what kind of, you know, so we do all the background checks. You talk to all the people around, you know, you try to get as much information as you can and it's still not, it's still not easy. You know, it's still, it's still tough. So (laughs) it's fun, but it's, uh, it's definitely not an exact science for sure. Thank you, Mr. Conroy. Thanks, Craig. You guys have a great long weekend. Take care. You too, pal. Appreciate it. There's Craig Conroy, Calgary Flames Assistant General Manager. Uh, As per usual, uh, a long conversation. I I don't, uh, I don't know if any of us are shocked by that. I even said, I even said to him, I texted him, I'm like, I feel bad bringing you on because we always keep you like for 40 minutes. He's like, well, it's my fault. Like I'm the one who keeps on talking, so it's not your fault. So he he makes a good point. It's not like, it's not. He's awesome. yeah, he was given a lot of short answers. He really is, um, and he's been so good to us, Kleiner, during this whole thing. Sports that nine sixty, the fan. Two guys in different spots, staying at home, but still talking on the radio. It's a miracle. Pinder and Steinberg is only on Sportsnet nine sixty, the fan. Welcome back to the program. We got uh, Klein, Lubo, Steinberg with you on this Friday afternoon. Happy Friday, and thanks again to Craig Conroy for uh, taking some time with us. Uh, that was the uh, 2.30 start time, and uh, we're just coming back at 3.20. So It's uh, the way we like it. Went. It absolutely yep. is. Um, Lou, let me bounce this off you because Klein and I have talked about it, and 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 we will continue to talk about it. But haven't uh, haven't had an opportunity to dive into it obviously yet with you. We heard earlier that uh, Brad Tree Living said yesterday the general manager of the Calgary Flames, and we're going to hear uh, his entire conversation with the media before the top of the hour. But he he had said yesterday that you know there's momentum building for perhaps an announcement on a plan for what the NHL's return to play is going to look like. Elliot. Friedman told our morning show today that it, it probably is going to be 24 teams. If you go and you take a look at the NHL standings as they sat before the 
before the pause, um, essentially what it sounds like is the three division teams, so uh, in the East, Boston, Tampa, Toronto, Washington, Philly, and Pittsburgh, and then you'll have the wild card teams as well, and it will cut off at Montreal, who's at 71 points, and the cutoff in the Western Conference would be Chicago, who are at 72 points. Those would be the cutoffs, which would mean that you'd see uh, San Jose, L.A., and Anaheim miss in the West, um, and then and in the East, it would be Detroit, Ottawa, and New, Jer- New Jersey, and Buffalo who would miss uh, in the uh, in the Eastern Conference. So that's how that's how it end up looking like if they were to do a 2014 playoff. What's your feel on how that's going to be received? What's your feel on how that is is looking? And, and just your overall feel on if that's the road the the NHL goes down. What do you like or dislike about it? Well, I like a couple of things. It's for those people who weren't tuned in at the top of the hour, you know, I'd said, and I'll repeat it, that one of the themes for me right now is getting back to basics. And I really feel that what's so important for everyone, no matter what you do for a living um, and your life is we need to get back to some normalcy. So you have to understand, you have to be creative. This is different. And in fact, I had a good conversation a couple of days ago with our good friend, Wes Gilbertson. And, you know, we kicked around the idea um, about it may take guys two or three years when it's all said and done to get back to what, you know, in October, let's say till June 20th type hockey schedule. I really believe that. So um, I'm not going to be critical in any way shape or form i think it's really important you're not going to make everybody happy but how do you get back to playing and how do you do it safely and i think it's something that the players the owners everybody involved the media is going to have to be incredibly collaborative they're going to have to be on the same page and um you know i think it's a i think it's a wonderful opportunity to be put in a position to look at something different and then use it going forward. You know, it's, 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 you you can, there's a lot of people, you know, here's a perfect example, guys. So at first I heard, well, we're talking about Grand Forks or we're talking about Saskatoon or we're talking about, you know, really neutral sites. Right. And then it came out, well, we don't, we don't have the infrastructure in those certain places. So now we're back into NHL markets and, you know, Edmonton and Vancouver have been talked about Toronto. I've seen Minnesota. We've seen a bunch, right? Um, but, but I, but I just think that we can't lose sight on the fact that, okay, so if we don't have the same amount of replays or some of the infrastructure, um, we're not going to have, you know, four best of seven series that, you have to play. And, and I, to me, more than anything, that's the important part. The hard part is what's the right balance in terms of, and we heard Brad Treleving, I won't spoil it because you're going to hear it from him because, you know, the credibility and how you get to a champion really matters. But I think, I think you have to take baby steps before you can run. And I think in everything right now in our world, that's important. Mm-hmm. So they need to play. We they need to get back. You need to do it asking yourself about safety, because even some of the things I heard about, well, 
you know, if you're going to have to change the game so much that guys can't line up against one another and, you know, it's got to be so different, uh, I don't know if I'm okay there. I don't know if I'm okay there. But when it comes to Patty, the format, I'm just not going to be critical because I just, I don't think it's a time to be critical. I just don't. I think, I think everybody has to have an open mind and understand that this this is a different time and we may be in different times for a long time. So let's think about it progressively and, and use the opportunity if and when it comes back and what's different to use that as a point to maybe assess to get better in the game, in the formats and everything going forward. It's, it's funny, Kleiner, that, that Lou mentions that because that's, that's one thing that I, I'm, I'm kind of 100% on the same page with is just that, like, yeah, is, is, if I were to say choose the perfect format, it's 24 teams with Montreal and Chicago being involved. Like, is that really, like, if we were in ideal circumstances, would I love that? Well, no, probably not. But you know what? Like, it's not ideal. We have to be okay with something that's a little bit different and, and more so more so than just okay with it i think we got to embrace something that's a little bit different because we are in a a situation that's so unprecedented so i if they decide to do that i people are worried about it being watered down and all that i'm just like let's let's give it a try this is different and and it's time to embrace different things no i i agree and i again I think the the playoff format that they had a few years ago where it was one versus eight, two versus seven, I thought that was kind of the perfect format. So getting to 24 does seem to stretch it a little bit. But I think overall, there does have to be a bit of a balance, right? Like you can't just say, okay, it's not ideal times, so we're going to do single elimination three on three and let's just crown a Stanley Cup champion. Okay, well, that's 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 not going to work. There still needs to be some semblance of it. But I do agree that you do need to be creative in these times. It's just finding the, the right balance for it, for sure. Patty, even if you go back the way I do, like I remember one versus 16 and best of threes. Like it, right. this is not a completely for, like it's foreign if you're of a certain age, but it's not completely foreign, you know, and you don't even necessarily have to go a gazillion years back. You know, I, I remember it well. So, well, the first time, you know, the first time the flames were ever in the playoffs, you go and you take a look at who they were playing in round mm-hmm. number one. You're like, they're playing like 1980, the 1981 playoffs. You're like, wait a second. They're playing who they're playing Philadelphia. They didn't get to the yes. Stanley cup final. What are they doing playing Philadelphia? And you mm-hmm. forget, you're like, Oh yeah, they, they did. And they, they had a preliminary round, right? They round one at that time was best of five or best of three. And then, and then they moved to best of seven. So it's not like the NHL's never done this before. You're right. No, 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 it isn't. And again, is it ideal, but what is ideal? But further to Mr. Klein's point is that's what everything is about. It, it's about, finding a middle ground that you know allows you to feel good about how you're going to crown a champion because yeah i'm 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 not for completely blowing everything up but you know if we need to have best of threes you know i always thought guys going back and i haven't really had a chance to explore it with you guys but i certainly would never have been opposed to 20 teams and, and have best of threes between seven and ten and eight and nine on both sides to yeah. get to eight in each conference. Now, if it needs to be 24, I'm okay with that too. 
Um, you know, and then if the first couple of rounds after that need to be three out of fives, listen, uh, the most important thing for me right now is, is who's willing to change. Guess what? You might have to play playoff games like you used to this year and play three and five days and back to backs. Like that's just yeah. what you're going to have to do. Yeah, well, and if you look at, like, it's not just playoff format that we have a chance to, to really get creative on. It's the entire layout of a season. Like Lou said, it's going to be a bit before we're back to October to June, and then the offseason starts late June, early in July. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing it right now with some of the discussion around the NBA where they're saying, okay, is October to June the, the best time? It, it, should we go Christmas into August or, or something along those lines? This is, while obviously an awful situation, this is a time where you can start to look at everything. I think the draft in June is a terror, early June anyway, is a terrible idea. I think it's stupid. I hate it entirely. But I don't mind that they're looking outside the box a little bit on this. Like, okay, should we do this thing? And it, even if they're answer as a resounding no that's awful never think of that again then at, at least you've ventured out and you're at least like thinking outside the box a little bit and i think while certainly not ideal this is an opportunity for all leagues to, to do that sort of a thing 100 percent, and i, I well mean, said yeah it's it's a really good it's a really good chance to evaluate how you do things and um look and and, and the other thing is and and it's one thing that I'm interested in, Lou, I know that you're fascinated in it. It's just like, what does this look like in, in terms of how, how much do people eat it up? Like, is this something that is consumed at a mass rate if they come back in mid-July or, or late July or something like this? Do, do people flock to it? Or are there other things that distract us? And I don't know the answers to those things. I, I think it's fascinating. I don't think any of us do. Right, guys? Um, you know, and, and I'm sure we've all had some great conversations with our friends and family about copious amounts of things in the last couple of months. I certainly know I have. And, you know, I hear, cause I, I'm at a point, maybe it's just cause I'm getting a little older. I, every conversation to me is like, I'm just trying to find out about what others are thinking and, and, and how they're feeling and what's really important to them. And, you know, I, I've talked to people that think, yeah, people are going to come back and, in in huge numbers and and i've talked to other people that go listen if, if this thing comes back in the middle of july well you know the night game might sell well depending on where you are but you know are people gonna be giving up nice weather when it's time to go outside and doing some different things i don't know what the answer is i i really don't and and i just know that we all have to settle in um to understand it's it's going to be different because as we even talked about off the air today i think for some of us we're even a little bit surprised at either our ability or inability to get away from what's been our norm and that's what this is all about isn't it yeah 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 really is and i i i still feel like it'll be like the it'll be consumed and people will be excited and and mm -hmm. there'll be a, a big buzz when it's back but it's a fair question like you know if it's mid-july and it's gorgeous out are people going to be inside watching hockey and and you know i'll be curious to see 
what the what the world looks like in July. Like it's May. That's still two months from now. Like what does the world look like? Are are we allowed to go congregate in bars and and watch games at bars? I, I don't know the answer to that. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be a really interesting, I, and that's why when you hear the general manager of the Flames say there's momentum building for an announcement next week, you get a little excited because you're like, okay, maybe there's mm-hmm. actually something that we can sink our teeth into and something that we can look forward to. So, well, we shall see. I, sorry, I know you're you're going to wrap up, but I, I do I do wonder about the staying power of it too, because we're all going to be excited when the NHL comes back. How many people are going to stick with it when it's not the same atmosphere that we're used to and stuff like that? And I understand one's real and one isn't, but when the WWE, they were still doing shows this whole time and it was in an empty arena. And for the first little bit, there was a major tune in factor because a, it's the only live thing on and B you wanted to see how they were going to handle it. And then when, when people came to the realization, it was two dudes fake fighting in front of no one. Um, audiences fell off entirely. And so I'm wondering how much the novelty of sports are back for sports sake, um, how long that's going to stick with people. And then they'll just go back to doing what they were doing before because it's not anywhere close to what we've seen uh, and what we're used to this time of year. Well, look at our station for a perfect example. So we have all kinds of different people, different personalities, different age groups, and, you know, if, if I had to go around and kind of assess, I, I don't think there's two people that necessarily feel the same way about mm-hmm. sports and in their life. I mean, we all share the common goal about, you know, it pays the bills and, and we love it. And, and we had a love of sports of some kind to get to the point that we're all at at different times. But that doesn't mean that there's not great differences in terms of the motivation and what we like and what we don't like and and what we miss. And maybe in some cases, actually, in some ways, what we don't miss. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, we're always in a world where we're all all trying to, like, tie everything together and make it make sense, which I, I like to do as much as anybody. But. You know, if you really start to ask and watch and listen and and learn a little bit, well, the fact of the matter is, like I said, even at our own radio station, I I don't think there's two people at our radio station outside of, you know, we work at the same place that are necessarily excited about what they do for exactly the same reason. Yep. No, I I completely agree. Is that fair or am I completely off my rocker? No, I think that's probably true. No, totally fair. So, well, and and look, we don't have any news as of yet when it comes to what the NHL is going to do or or when they're going to announce something. But as we'll find out in just a few minutes from the GM, it sounds like that uh, is maybe starting to build. Bradtree Living coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, we do have a prize to give away, though. It, it, do it we? Feels, we? We do. And you know what the prize is, Lou? The prize what is... Um, I don't know if it is a prize uh, having to look at me and you and Derek for uh, for 45 minutes or an hour. No, it is actually I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, here are here are the cool things about this prize. First of all, get an opportunity to come uh, talk some Flames hockey with your Calgary Flames radio crew. So we'll have Lou, we'll have Derek, you'll have me on this Zoom call. We'll have some other Flames fans, and we're just going to have our own hot stove lounge. We don't have any games to talk about, but we can talk some Flames. We can talk some NHL. Maybe by the time we do this on May 28th, we will have some actual news. 
what you're going to win, you get the link into the Zoom chat, you get to be a part of the Zoom chat, and we're delivering Atlas Pizza for free to your place. Nice. So uh, you get to have a, it's like a, the old school pop chips and parents party, PCP. Uh, we're ordering uh, the pizza to your place, and you're talking some flames with our crew. Um, if you would like to be a part of this, we've got an opportunity for you to win on the text line in just a second, or you can go to sportsnet.ca slash 960, click on the contest page to answer that way. Might as well do both i've got a trivia question for you at 960960 it feels like ages since i've done one of these because it has been i need your first and last name on the text at 960960 for the first one through with the right answer you'll be our first entrant into our virtual hot stove on may 28th the question is based on our last guest i need to know who originally drafted Craig Conroy into the NHL. What team originally drafted Craig Conroy into the NHL? 960-960 on the text line. First and last name on that text, and you could be our first winner into our virtual hot stove. We'll get you the answer around the corner. Our virtual hot stove is brought to you by our friends at Atlas Pizza brought to you by QMM and also brought to you by Imagine Plumbing and Appliances, your experts in water softening and filtration, following Health Canada guidelines to ensure safety during this crisis. Find out more at imagineplumbing.ca. We've got the GM, Brad Tree Living, coming up next on Pinder and Steinberg. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Back to Pinder and Steinberg. Calgary Sports Talk in the afternoon. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Congratulations to David. He got the answer correct. Uh, David is the gentleman who answered the question who uh, who originally was drafted by uh, or who originally drafted rather Craig Conroy. The answer: the Montreal Canadiens. Congratulations to David. He is going to take part in our virtual hot stove coming up on May twenty eighth. Welcome back to the program. It's Pat Steinberg, Peter Labardius, Peter Klein, along with you on this uh, lovely Friday afternoon. Let's check in with the general manager of the Calgary Flames now, Brad Tree Living, with his weekly conference call with Calgary Media yesterday. Going to play you some of the highlights from the general manager of the Calgary Flames. If you missed this a little earlier, we played this clip. But here is the GM with uh, an update on where things are league-wide and with the team and starts it off with uh, some pretty encouraging news. Let's tune in to Brad Tree Living. I do suspect that you know we're we're going to hear some news um, next week, um, and uh, you know probably the two obviously the two big issues right now relative to when we potentially a plan of what a, a restart would look like, um, and then draft. Um, you know I think all, all the stuff with regards to when um, will continue to be up in the air until such time as. The, the authorities, uh, the medical authorities give the go-ahead, but I think we, I, I do sense, and it, it, there's not state secrets here, but I do sense some momentum that next week that maybe there could be um, at least a uh, the, a preliminary plan put in place for, for where we go. Um, so that's really, that's really the update league-wide. Um, you know, even internally from the team standpoint, not a lot new to report. Um, uh, we conducted a, a team call this past week with, with all our guys, just to give them an update, um, check in with them. We do it on a regular basis individually, but we try to do it on a regular basis collectively. We did that this week. Um, guys are, are eager and anxious to return, anxious to get back in whatever form we do get back at. 
And uh, probably the only other note is we do, I guess, uh, publicly uh, congratulate Jacob Pelche. He was recipient of a of a league award um, um, this week. I think it was today, yesterday, or today. Um, they're all blending together for me. So we want to uh, we want to congratulate Jake for that. And that's, in a nutshell, sort of. Uh, uh consummates my update um any anything i can get to address or answer that you may have brad can i just ask about um the border i guess the, the border uh, the canadian homeland security is pushing to move back the um, border reopening to the u.s like about a month um you know you have a <laughs> shortage of American players on this team and some of which are down there obviously um you know if you, if you thought much about how that would pertain to your team I, I know obviously the news of the official sort of gathering again but yeah we we monitor that daily Kristen and I I mean that's the one thing too that the league takes into consideration so I know there's two things I think you factor that in you know any time of as we've talked about before, you you know, as you build these timelines, there's so much that you got to sort of put into the, you know, put into the mix. So if you want to start on this date, you got to say, well, you know, what are all the things I've got to cover off before I can get to that date? And obviously, right now, number one is the ability to get into the country, um, or, you know, access, the access or lack thereof of the borders. And number two is, you know, at certain period of time, if you do get through a quarantine period. So I think, if, you know, the league's trying to factor that in, that in as when they build their timelines. I think there's also discussions going on with both federal governments at the governmental level, at the federal level um, of just, you know, here's what we're, you know, here's what we're thinking of. Here's a plan in place. And again, the plan's only, um, to me, it's a two-step process. You're going to eventually put together a plan but the plan is just as everything in today's world subject to change based upon the, the market conditions, you know? So we can say we're starting on this date. It's all, you know, there's a big asterisk beside it that says until such time as, you know, you get medical clearance, um, you know, it's, it's, it's subject to change, but I think it's good to get, you know, get, if we can get to that point where we can at least start wrapping our minds around that every, every everything goes well, and we, we can, uh, we can get the clearance. Here's here's the timing, but certainly the border is a big issue, no question. We've got we've got you know I think we've only we like I said we've got a handful of guys at the most still in town. Um, you know we've got guys everywhere, as does everybody else. Um, players are scattered pretty much all over the globe. Oh, and just one more question, just about um about Pelche. Um, you know just his progress. This season, maybe weigh in on that. Yeah, he had a he had a real good year. It was derailed by injuries. Um, unfortunate when he did get hurt. It's always unfortunate when they get hurt. But uh, at the timing of which that prevented him from from participating at the World Junior. Um, but a really good, you know another big step forward. Um, and he's a really good player. Um, you know those are. It's a unique time for those kids too. When you talk about, uh, unfortunately, not being able to get a, a, a really important development step. First of all, for them, they like in Jake's case, they had a heck of a team. You know that team was, 
that team was was loaded up and and you know there was a good chance they would make a run and you can't replace those memories like that never mind the development just the memory of a kid in his in playing junior hockey and and you know a chance to go and compete for a championship so that's unfortunate um and then selfishly you you, you love seeing guys getting that that experience and going through that process and all the things that you learn from it. Um, but it is, you know, that's, 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 you know, you, you move on from it and that's where we are in the world. And so now it's just unique for them trying to, you know, it's important. These are important times for them in Jake's case to continue to develop physically. He's working at it. Our development team is, is working with all those kids, um, you know, and, and has got a plan for all of them and working with all of them to, to do what they can during this time. But uh, a big step forward, and I thought a very, very good year for Jacob. Why do you, uh, why did you say earlier that you think that, that you're pretty optimistic that things are getting close to some announcements next week? Like, what gives you cause to believe that we're that much closer in the last uh, handful of days since we last spoke? Well, just I think there's momentum, Eric. And again, nothing changes. I think, you know, just my feeling is there's gaining momentum on a plan, right? Again, that yeah. doesn't that plan made everything's going to be subject to whether you can execute the plan, right? Um, so it's sort of like you, me, and you say, okay, we're going to go camping next Saturday, but if it rains, you're probably not doing it, right? So I think they're getting to a point where they can. You know, hopefully getting to a point where, you know, next week that maybe there's, and I, I may be coming back to you next week and saying, you know, sorry. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't have, they don't ask me to, for my opinion of these things. You just, I think there's some momentum building. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But I think, uh, you know, hopefully by next week, we, we could be in a position where, um, you know they they have a plan but though there's a lot of things it's got to go through it's still got to go through the pa it's still got to go through um you know all the all the differing governing bodies that are at a play of this and again i caution everybody that it's all subject to making sure that the um health wise and testing wise and medically that that it can be achieved brad i know you mentioned um that you probably see or hear an announcement uh, regarding the the draft sometime this week uh, unless they drop a you know a, a quick little thing by friday before the long weekend uh, it sounds like uh, we're not going to have any news this week regarding uh, a june draft as of yet or a specific date have you heard anything from the nhl do you feel that we're getting closer to that and that we're going to have a, an announcement say next week or very shortly thereafter yeah, yeah. Moses, I'm not sure. I we have not gotten confirmation one way or the other. Um, you know, we still got Friday left, I guess, in this week. Uh, so there could be an update tomorrow. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I do think with each, you know, as as the time moves on, we're still in a position that you could have a draft in June. You know, you could still announce something for. I think the the chances of us having a draft in early June probably is remote um at this point or or wouldn't happen now could you still do something in the middle of june third week of june sure absolutely but we haven't gotten we haven't gotten um any 
heads up of when when that would be. Hey, Brad, I'm I'm curious your your overall thoughts on uh, Stockton season. I know on paper heading into the year, a lot of your you know your shiniest toys, for lack of a better term, were either in junior or college or on the NHL roster. But all told, you know, it seems like Stockton did a nice job. You know, their special teams were really good, and they managed to be in the the hunt for the division lead when uh, the season got paused. So, I guess just your overall thoughts on their season. Yeah, I thought it was a. I thought it was an. I thought they did a had a had a real good season. It was a. It was an excellent job done by the coaching staff down there, the development staff down there. I thought. Um, you know, big step forwards. I thought they had a real good common. The, the the growth of our young players down there was was exceptional. From where, you know, you saw, you know, you know, you, you can go through the list. The Glenn Godens, um, Adam Ruzitska, Martin Pospisil went through a, 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 a difficult injury. You know, came back, finished strong. Luke Philp, um, E2 Tuola. Um, I thought all that that group of young players really had a strong season. Um, you had new players come in. Uh, Yellison, Zagad, Zagadulin, that I think established them well at that level, took a big step forward in development. Um, and I think the other part, it was you had the, the veteran players that were there really helped um, create an, an, an excellent environment, not just for, you know, winning and having success on the ice, but just, you know, the, the, the Byron phrases, the Brett Clance, the um uh, alan quines buddy rob they're 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 great pros in terms of how they prepare how they how they look after themselves and i think they're great examples for the young players so um yeah it's unfortunate for that group that they again you it's another you know another one of those where you wish you could have seen how the story ended there but a a, a real real good job done by kale mclean i do want to mention kale and the coaching staff they did a it's a really good um really good coaching staff and a really i mean they're they're teachers they they dig in with this group um we give them a lot of young players that uh make a lot of mistakes and 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 they 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 make them better and uh so that that uh that entire coaching staff led by kale did a really good job as well as the development staff they're down there you know that's ray edwards that's ronnie sutter that's don braid that's brian mcgratton um, you know, strength and conditioning, you know, it's a, it's a, it takes a village and, and we have it in, in the organization and they all should be commended on a good job. Uh, just coming off of that, I know there's been some talk of uh, taxi squad for, uh, for the NHL group whenever things get going again. Uh, ha- have there been any indications of how many bodies that would be? Or from your perspective, is there like a sweet spot for a number of extra bodies you'd like to have around? Uh, two things with that, Ryan, is no, they haven't given us any, we don't, uh, none of that stuff has been determined uh, in terms of league regulations. I think two things that I'd look at is you certainly have, um, you know, whatever you want, however you want to classify taxi squad, um, you know, that you're going to have. I think the other piece of this is, again, depending on how everything, everything flows. If you come back and you are playing regular season games that's one thing um because you do you know you're 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 sort of you know you're you're getting back you're not going right into playoff competition but i think if you if so that's one scenario if we come back and that encompasses uh, preseason or excuse me regular season games that's one 
situation. I think if you if the if you're coming back and you're you're going into a playoff format and you're part of that, then you may have to look at extra bodies just to even have whether it be you know inter squad games. I think you you do need that preparation of live bullets more than just practice time and 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 that sort of thing. So the the obviously the regulations will govern it, and I think the other part is how you come back. You know how how you come back and that scenario may govern how many guys you bring. Um, but there certainly would be, there's certainly guys that are deserving. There's certainly guys that we think could help us. Um, you need extra players in case of injury. Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Pinder and Steinberg in the afternoon. Sportsnet 960, The Then that would, but you know what, Lou? Like, everybody's got their, like, I am terrified of rats and mice. Like, if you get one of those things near me, and Look, mice are like these very harmless things. What are they going to do? They, they're going to crawl over your foot. Like what, what? And if you get me near a mice, a mouse rather, I, I, I will bolt to the other wall as as soon as humanly possible. So everybody's got their own See, thing we that get they're to terrified learn. of. See, I didn't know that. I've worked with you now for seven years, and I, I did not know that about you. And you, if if you. Like you would never know because I've never been around a mice mouse before, right? Like it's not like no. But <laughs> I, when I, you I, think when you think about where we work, um, you know it's not it's not inconceivable that one could one could run, you know, out from somewhere. And I'm not talking about the station. I'm talking about you know where I'm talking about. I do. You know. And despite the fact that they do an incredible job, you know, it's not always easy to keep everything out. So, you know, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be a criticism whatsoever, but uh, no, I did, I did not know that. And I appreciate you sharing with that now that, you know, the world knows that uh, fire is not my favorite thing and I'm, and I'm not perfectly okay with that. I think it's cost me a few relationships over the years, but uh, you know, that's okay too. Klein, what what is uh what is yours? Do you have a uh, do you have a um a phobia that that there's one thing that'll that'll uh, terrify you? Uh I well, kicking stuff. Uh, I can't uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but probably like mice and rats definitely give me the heebie-jeebies. I I am not. Okay. Um, yeah, whenever there was one like in our basement or whatever, it was quickly bolting back upstairs and getting my parents to deal with that. So yeah, I would, I, I would co-sign on the, uh, the, the mice and rats thing pretty, pretty aggressively. Also not a big birds fan. Birds freak me out. Really? Yeah. Can, there I, was, can um... I tell a great, can I tell a great quick bird story? Yeah, absolutely. Just because now Mr. Klein, you would not have wanted to be me during the NHL break on Miami beach. Nance and I went out for a walk on the beach and i kid you not we we went to a local establishment and we grabbed a scone each for breakfast and we're on the beach and they start dive bombing trying oh, to seagulls start dive bombing literally to get at these scones to the point where three bites in I had to throw it away. 
because wow. we were like, the, I was terrified. They, they were, they, Nance is not far from me now. And she's laughing as I tell the story. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were literally Peter dive bombing. And then if somebody had taken a video of me after I let that scone go, and then I <laughs> might be able to hear in the back. Yeah. You can the hear mission it, yeah. that I was on. Like, I never thought more highly of David Winfield than I did on that <laughs> particular day earlier this year. And for those of you who don't know the David Winfield reference, at one point, uh, you know, the former Yankee and Blue Jay and Padre had a bit of an issue with, with a seagull one time that he got in a lot of trouble with. Well, I, I would have been in a lot of trouble. And, you know, I refer to seagulls as a certain type of hawks. And the first mm, word starts with hawk. an S. Yes, they're a certain <laughs> kind of, I call them a certain kind of hawks. I've also referred to Corey Perry as one of those <laughs> during his career as well, um, who I have great and utter respect for. But yes, a bit of a pain in the rump himself. Yeah, we... Um... Where I grew up, we had like a, a cul-de-sac in front of our place and a bunch mm -hmm. of trees on there and birds would nest in there. And we had a dog and we would take him out for a walk and it was just dive bomb city, them trying to, to scare him away. And he he had no idea what was going on. He was just happy as could be, just do, 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 prancing around. And I was terrified the whole time. Like, I, I, I wasn't in great shape as a kid, but any shape I was in was because I would sprint across because I was afraid of all the birds <laughs> that were out there. I love it. I'm trying to think if there's any other that any other like bizarre, not even bizarre, but like phobia that things that I'm actually afraid of. Like heights don't get me. I've never like Maddie Rose, for instance, terrified of heights. Lou, have you ever seen Maddie cross the catwalk at the Saddle yeah, Dome? Like, just hates him. So hates heights. I give him credit though. Like he handles it incredibly well. It's you know when you're it's like everything else, right? I mean, it's like people listening, like this guy won't barbecue. What kind of donkey is he? Well, you know, and then, you know, we go across that catwalk every day, you know, to get to our broadcast position. And Patty, you know, there are a ton of people who are not comfortable with that walk whatsoever. Oh, it's like, it's a league wide thing. Like league wide yes, people be like, is. yeah, the, the saddle dome walk. You don't want to do that. Who wants to do the saddle dome walk? No, it's not for everybody. Kleiner, you yeah. have a problem with that. Like you, uh, no, you're, um, you're, you're totally fine with that. Yeah. Heights are a bit of an issue for me, but at, at weird like the, the, nothing about the, the dome catwalk scares me. Um, I'll never take a picture up there of the view. Cause, um, I, I don't want to end up on websites. Local radio guys phone interrupts national hockey league game. Um, but, uh, aside from that, I, I have no problems with that. There are sometimes, where heights will get to me a little bit, but overall the, the dome walk is fine for me. Yeah. Um, yeah I do not want to be up there though, Patty, in, in one occasion. And it happens every year. You might notice, well, you don't because you're already downstairs at that time. So it's Derek and I at every year they have a, a game where they send the fireworks off, right? At the yep. 
Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, guess who's not interested in being on the catwalk when those things go across? Oh. So no, I don't think I would year, have any. In, I don't think I'd no, have any interest in doing that you've either. Never been in that position. You're gone. No. Yeah, because I like the only time wanted... I don't. The only time that I don't like crossing the the catwalk is when, and it's ha- it happens like two or three times a year, and it it actually it takes you like a good half an hour to get over it. Is if you are walking across the catwalk when a flames goal is scored, you're yes. right on top of that truck horn or that Ooh. train horn, and and it like. When you're right up on it, like it, it pounds you in the ears. It's like a sledgehammer to your eardrums, and as you would expect, because you needed to be loud and, and audible for eighteen, nineteen thousand fans. But mm-hmm. when you're right beside it, yeah, it doesn't feel so good. So you're like, I always, and I've got caught way too many times. So now I plug my ears every time I'm walking across the catwalk. And the Flames are in the offensive zone. I'm like, you never know. Like, I'd rather be prepared and look like an idiot than have my ears ringing for the next 30 minutes. So that's yeah. Uh, that, that that'll take my... years off your life up there. That, oh. That'll and the also... flame doesn't get me. The the only and I oh. never thought of that. Like, you're right by the flame, Lou. <laughs> that's oh, never got that, me. That's like, thank goodness I don't have to experience that one. Yeah, that's a good oh. point. No, it's... It's it's toasty when you if you catch it at the right spot oh. it it's uh and like I I would sweat in a freezer but that that'll that'll warm yeah. your core temperature up there pretty quick yeah it sure will what uh, so do we do we like what are what's on what's on tap for this weekend like uh, I'll I'll be I'll give you a, a little bit of a glimpse into like I I have become far more in touch with my uh, domestic side during self isolation like I've got a dishwasher. And I use I use the dishwasher still, but I I never I would throw everything in that dishwasher, frying pans, pots, anything that I use dishwasher. Like I'm not I'm not lifting a fingernail to do dishes. I've learned that there are some things that are better if you do them by hand. So I've I've started washing mm-hmm. dishes more. I've been cleaning my place a little bit more regularly. Uh, I've turned my deck into a bit of a project, and I'm 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 doing like some fixer up handyman stuff around the place. I got a closet door that I need to go find a part at, at Home Depot and fix. I've I've like I've 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 actually I feel more like a homeowner during self-isolation than I ever have before because I'm actually doing things that a homeowner would usually because usually for seven months of the year I'm I'm barely home well when you're home all the time you you come up with things that you actually need to do so that's kind of been my uh that's what I've learned about myself during self-isolation is that I uh I have the ability to be somewhat domestic that's impressive and have you enjoyed the process um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I find that like, it's nice to have a little bit of a routine and you're like, okay, uh, I've got dishes to do. I'll do those after I do my workout and then I'll make myself dinner. And I, I got, it's, it's been good to get into a little bit of a routine like that. Um, so I've, I've enjoyed that. I've enjoyed the cooking. Um, I don't, I don't like, I, I built a gate. You guys know how much I hate pigeons. Um, and how many times yeah, you're not I've had a fan. to. Oh, and I, it's an ongoing battle. I think I finally won the battle because I built a 
gate on my on my deck that will not allow them into the crevices that they like in my barbecue where they can nest. There's no way for them to get through. I researched, like, what's the minimum that a pigeon needs to squirm through? Apparently, they can squirm through something that's four centimeters. They're that, they're, they're able to control. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to make each one, each thing in the gate less than four centimeters. I built that with my dad. Like I, So I, I, I've enjoyed actually being productive um, when it comes to things around the house. So, yeah, I, I would say that I've enjoyed it. Good. Hmm. What about you, Mr. Klein? What's uh, what's on what's on the agenda? And is there anything about COVID and Peter Klein that would surprise me or anyone else listening that you uh, have found yourself either enjoying or never thought you'd go down a certain road? Uh, well, f- as far as weekend plans are concerned, I uh, have a bunch of buddies actually from uh, 660 doing a uh, an online poker night. So we're doing that. I uh, mm. I blew a massive chip lead a couple weeks ago and ended up losing. So uh, it's it's redemption, Ooh, redemption time for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, come definitely coming in hungry. Very much like uh, like MJ after the losing to the Magic in, in '95, coming back looking for redemption. Uh, a lot of similarities there for sure. Uh, <laughs> and, and as far as something about uh, COVID and quarantine life that has, um, it's honestly surprised me as well. Um, I have, I've been jogging three times a week and I've started doing yoga and meditating. Um, one of those two things almost every day. And it has done wonders for me uh this last week i was a little off just getting into the swing of doing uh, the show every day and stuff like that but overall it's been a miraculous change for me so um all of a sudden i'm uh, i might be the one of the biggest pers- uh, people in the world doing it but uh, i'm i'm a yogi now so that's that that's been a bit of an adjustment how's your flexibility Awful, terrible. Uh, not even remotely close to anything. I, it's insulting to the word flexibility to call me flexible. Um, but no, it uh, gradual improvements. But it could be a couple years before we're touching the toes here. Will you ever go to like after this? Will you go to a yoga studio and and do it in front of people? Ah, uh, I don't think so. Probably not. Uh, there are some some pretty wonderful laps that I can do it in the comfort of, of home. Maybe like in a couple of years, if I'm a bit more comfortable in that sense, maybe. Okay. But it, it's it's going to take a lot before we we get to to that point for sure. Lou, what have you have you uh, like? We know that you've you started reading. Um, yeah. Any, anything reading else that is has re- no been big for no, you? Not no, not necessarily. I will say this: I have watched. More non-sports television in the last six weeks than I think I have in the rest of my entire existence. Um, so Shit's uh, Creek. That, yeah, I watched all of Shit's Creek. Uh, I have devoured, thanks to my stepdaughter, um, pretty much all seven episodes of or seven seasons of Brooklyn nine, nine. Um, Good show. Yeah. One of my all time favorite shows. Boy, boy, I'm getting myself into trouble now. Um, this is us. Is okay. a, I you can't, you and, can't embarrass yourself with, with Klein and I, like Klein and I are both avid no, RuPaul's, I don't, you know, dra- I, I don't, RuPaul drag race fans. 
and yeah. I'm obsessed with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. So you can't yeah, like This I've Is Us that. doesn't even like you, no. you can't you can't get in trouble for This Is Us. No, and and well, I mean you can you can you can potentially get in trouble for anything, but you know I'm I'm okay. It's uh, you know I'm I'm a pretty big fan of of relationship oriented um, conversation, relationship oriented um, viewing of of programs and television. So you know I've done a lot of that, and remember that you know. It, the the two happiest people in this house are Nancy and Hannah because I don't have sports really to watch. So right. they're winning, which they do anyway. Um, but I'm in the no chance motel. I, I'm completely <laughs> in the no chance motel. And I've, I've actually, um, thanks to Hannah, there's been a lot of glee that has been on the television, which has been somewhat interesting to watch um in its splendor and glory see the more you know and that's uh yeah. that's why we we needed to bring lou on for a few days uh lou's gonna be with us as well uh next week for a good chunk of the show so we didn't even touch like we had so much else to talk about and connie joined us for 40 minutes so didn't have a chance to get into some of our redrafts we've been redrafting past nhl drafts we're going to do some of that with lou but also revisit a few that we didn't do while lou was with us like how can we do how can we talk about the 03 draft and not allow lou in on that conversation so we'll do that uh at some point uh next week same with 04 same with 05 and uh we'll also redraft some of the other ones lots of uh good conversation coming next week we'll take a break come back with craig conroy if you missed that conversation uh connie will join us um mr labardius mr klein have yourself wonderful long weekends my friends you as well you guys too yeah, thanks so much for this. Uh, had a had a great afternoon. It was a lot of fun. So thank you. Good, good to hear. Be safe. Craig Conroy next on Pinder and Steinberg Sportsnet 960. The Calgary guys talking Calgary sports. Pinder and Steinberg are only on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Welcome back to the program. If you missed our chat with Craig Conroy from earlier today, we're going to play a little bit of it right now, but all of it is up right now at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Always great to tell some stories with the AGM of the Calgary Flames. Lots of stories in here, but we kicked it off with, uh, we don't know when the draft is going to be. We don't know if it's going to be in June, if it's going to be in July, if it's going to be in October. We don't know as of yet. But regardless, Conroy says Flames will be ready because their preparations are well underway. Well, we, you know, I mean, obviously we thought the uh, the draft could happen early June is, you know, there was a possibility. So, you know, we got away, we got going right away. And we actually, today was our last call that uh, we kind of have everybody uh, on the list. So we probably have about around 50 people on the, on the primary list. And then we have like area lists that are broken off. So we probably, I think there was 86 guys that we had on there right now. So over the weekend until next Wednesday, we'll probably everybody will go back, look at their area list, look to make sure we haven't missed anybody that we feel, hey, we want to put a Calgary Flame jersey on, and then uh, you know we'll come come back and do that, and then we'll really start to, uh, you know, we're debating on what to do. I think Brad's going to kind of call the league and find out are they going to do any kind of combine interviews? Are they going to set anything up? And if they're not, then we're going to try to set up with uh, players that we think might be around where our picks possibly could be. So 
we're moving along, but we still got a little bit of work to do before, uh, you know, before. But it looks like that, you know, obviously the draft changes every day, like the timing of it. But it looks right. like it's not going to be June. But I, I mean, I really don't know when it's going to be. So it, we, we're pretty, we're moving along pretty quickly. So we're in a good spot. I feel comfortable with the list, and I think the guys do too. So that's that's a positive. Okay, good to hear. I do, I do want to ask you. I think it was Pinder who asked you this question one of the last times you were on and we were kind of talking about your path to management and and the the new life after the playing days and and pinder asked you about the drafting success that this team has had i want to say going back almost over the last decade this team's drafting success has has really taken a step forward and you've started hitting on late round picks and you kind of touched on the philosophy of treat every pick so if you've got seven picks maybe you've got two first rounders but whatever you treat every pick as if it is your first pick and i you take a look at some of the the late round hits that you've had sometimes a team can get lucky but i feel like with as many that you have had in later rounds over the last five or six years there has to be more than just luck that goes into it so can you can you delve into the draft strategy and and how you guys approach each draft knowing the the success you've had in in getting nhlers all across the board of late you know i think the one thing is we always want to try to you know, improve on what have we done well? What haven't we done well? Where have we missed guys? You know, what attributes that we thought maybe weren't as important or we overlooked a little bit that now you're looking at guys five years later saying, huh, how did we, how did we not have him hired? Why, what was it about him that we, we didn't kind of feel comfortable with? So I think that's the first thing. And we're always trying to come up with better ideas moving forward, how we're going to build this team. But I think especially in the, in the later rounds, you know, the focus is always, what does he bring? What's his one NHL quality? Is he such a high end competitor? You know, is it, you know, the skills through the roof? Is there something, okay, maybe usually when you get to those rounds, it's uh, you know, maybe he's not a great skater. Maybe the size isn't there. Maybe there's always something that maybe we're questioning, but we're looking at all of it and saying, okay, what does he do? What could he be like as an NHL player? And, you know, do I want to put a Calgary Flames on him? I mean, that's the big thing for the guys. Like we always say, we don't want to put a jersey on anybody you don't feel comfortable with putting a Calgary Flames jersey on, then don't put him on your list. You know, you have to want the guy. And I think that's when it comes down to like a guy like Terry Dorn, when, uh, when Angie was, uh, it was his pick, he was adamant. We had to take this guy. Terry Dorn was like, this is the guy we have to take him and he kind of would go through what he what he felt and why but he just had such a strong belief i mean if you ask brad next time you're on it'll be interesting to see what he said but you know at the table uh terry was just so adamant that he wanted him you know you just felt like okay let's do it you know what you the passion you love guys that say step up and you know because in the end it's on terry so if it didn't work out he you know and you're going to be wrong. But, I mean, he felt like this is a guy I think is going to get a chance to play in the NHL. And, you know, here we are, fast forward a few years, and, uh, you know, he's done a great job for us, and he's only getting better. So, yeah. you know, to have him pick him and, and do it, pretty. But that's how we kind of do it. I mean, obviously, we want something special, something different, you know, because it's great if you said, okay, the guy does everything okay. He just does everything okay. You can find those guys on waivers. You can probably get those guys somewhere else. But if you can find a guy with some special attributes, they just say, you know, I mean, even the Johnny thing, that was a that was not a lock. That wasn't like 
automatic we're going to take Johnny. Like, you know, because some guys just thought, oh, he's too small. He's dynamic. He's fun to watch. But, you know, that's a USHL. This is, you know, now he's got to go to college. And if he plays in the AHL and NHL, how does it translate? We don't know. You know, but they just, in the end, he was just so special that they said, let's take a chance. Let's take a chance on something special and, and see how it works out. And then you got to give the player credit, too. I mean, Johnny's just, from the time he got drafted to the time he came to Calgary, he did nothing but make himself look more and more, you know, like a superstar, you know, to win a Hobie Baker, to go in and do what he did at the World Juniors, to win a national championship. I mean, it's just, you know, that's all credit to him. But it's a lot of credit to our guys because even when we drafted him, people are like, oh, he's we liked him, but he's pretty small. We'll see how it works out. And now you look back and probably all other teams would love to have Johnny Goodrill on their team. So, you know, yeah. I give that, give Todd and the staff credit because they stepped up and took him, you know. Um, and, and that would have been, you know, the other guy we had boxed with Johnny was Kucherov. So we uh, we there was some debate at the table about taking Kucherov with the, I think it was Granlin pick or – uh, Witherspoon, it was, I mean, it was almost there, you know, and I think Tampa took him the next pick. So we had him in the right spot. We moved away from him and would have been kind of special if you could have got both those guys. But, you know, that's how the draft works. You have to make decisions and we went one way and, uh, you know, and you just see how well those guys are doing. But it's it's definitely not an exact science. Uh, science. You're going to make some mistakes, but we try to, you know, limit and learn from the ones we have and, and be better next the next time around. So it's it's funny because I was gonna jump right into the the Gaudreau pick because that was your that was your first draft as as part of the management group, right? Yeah, that was the first one. So you know the one thing about with with Johnny, I was kind of listening to all the things I was in, so I wasn't you know in in and know exactly. I was watching players at the end of the year, but I never got to see Johnny. You know, the only thing that I knew was my agent Lewis was like, you you guys have to take this guy. <laughs> like if you have an opportunity, I'm like, Oh, perfect. And he, you know, so I'm listening about him. I'm reading all the reports. I'm seeing all this stuff. And then Lewis is telling me all this stuff. And so as we're sitting at the draft, I'm like, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to, if he's still there, one pick away, we're going to take Johnny. And I kind of text Lewis. Cause I could see where Lewis was sitting. I said, Hey, just checking. I'm like, I see you. Where, where is Johnny? You're not with Johnny. You're with another player. He's like, oh, I forgot Johnny not to come to draft. I didn't want to bring him. I'm like, what? He's like, well, you know, you're a smaller guy. I thought we just didn't want him to be in the stands. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so, you know, when we and then we made the pick, and uh, you know, and finally when we got to see him at development camp, came in. I just couldn't believe. I think it was Booma, and then. Uh, I forget there was two or three guys that had played in the American League that year, and Johnny did like a little two-on-two. Uh, maybe Breen, the big defenseman that we used to have, yeah. they went head-to-head against him. I mean, he undressed those guys. I was like, what the heck? And I went down actually and said to the guys, hey, I know he's small, but hey, you know what? He's kind of embarrassing. He's like, you can finish him. If you can, they're like, we can't hit him, Craig. He's just too quick. Like, we can't do anything. We're trying. It is embarrassing. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting because he was so, even right away, that quickly, you're just like, wow. And then the next year, I think it was Monaghan and him played together in uh, the scrimmages in the development camp. 
and the chemistry was unbelievable. I'm thinking, oh my God, these two guys together. It was just, just like you see now in the NHL, that's exactly what you saw with those two on the ice. So it was, you know, you could see that chemistry right from the get go. And, and now it's, you know, everybody knows what it's like now. So it's, it's, it's fun, but that was, you know, a couple guys were mad, upset at that pick during the draft, like uh, the Gaudreau pick, like they said, really, we're going to go with a guy that small, but the majority of the guys felt comfortable and Todd made the, made the call. So it was a, ended up being a great, a great pick, obviously. Yeah, no doubt about it, uh, and and I love the story on on how you get a player like Johnny Gaudreau in round number four, and and I've talked to you about it a ton of times before, and it always fascinates me every time uh, I hear you talking about it. We're chatting with Calgary Flames Assistant General Manager Craig Conroy on the program today, Mr. Peter Klein. Uh, you're talking about different uh, people in management having kind of banging on the table for different players. Do you remember your first one where you were like, no, 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 we have to go with this guy. Well, I think it was Matty Phillips. Again, another smaller guy. I just got going with all the smaller guys, but uh, it just, he was a guy who walked out every rink and I knew, I knew the size and, and you think, you know, how many small guys can we have? But, you know, he just, every, every single time we walked out, I said, he was the best player on the ice again. He was the best player on the ice, you know? And then I remember we were sitting there during the draft and Todd said, Hey, this would be a perfect time. If you want Matty Phillips, you know, what are you thinking? I'm like, no, I, I would love to get him. Like if let's, if we, if you want to take him right now, you're going through all the other players. So I'm like, this is, yeah, let's, let's get Maddie right now. You know? So it was kind of exciting. Cause you know, obviously the, the first few rounds, it's, uh, it's a, not easier, but you know, you can see those guys. You're like, okay, Hey, were we excited? Were we all pounding? We couldn't believe Matthew Kachuk was going to be there. Like those things we knew were coming. Um, but when you get later, you don't know how people are going to fall to you. So for me, I think probably the first one where I really was like, okay, it was probably Matty Phillips. You know, obviously there was other guys. You're always – sometimes you feel comfortable with, with the other guys battling, and you're just like, I totally agree with that pick, right? This is going to be – you know, if we can get him in the fourth round, we're loving it. You know, there's always a few that when it comes to that pick – you're like, you're so excited. It's the pick, you know, you have one more guy and they, and the guy gets picked. You're like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it gets all the way to us. And you're so excited. You're like, I really want this guy. And next thing you know, God, you're like, Oh, that hurt. <laughs> but it's happened. It's amazing. You think it wouldn't happen that often. It's probably happened four or five times where you're thinking, Oh, I can't, I can't wait to get this guy. And then boom, pick before you long gone. Um, so with the Matthew Phillips, if there was someone who was disagreeing with you on that one, do you send them Phillips highlights and go, Hey, called it, told you, nailed it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's the thing you don't know. I mean, you never know, but, and that's why I was so pissed off this year when they brought him up in in Phoenix and he didn't get to play. I mean, I always tell the story, probably him and his parents were more excited than me, but I was pretty excited. And then when I'm like, I finally got to the TV and they're like healthy scratch. I'm like, what? I'm like, Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> That's not <laughs> even right. So it's fun to watch him, how well he's done, how well he's kind of, and he just keeps getting better. You know, it's kind of like the way Manji has done it. He, he went in and he's worked hard. He's here every summer, does all that stuff. But you know, you want those guys and it's amazing. You want every single guy. I mean, I think maybe being a six round pick myself, it's not that I like the lower rounds, but I know they're going to have to go through a little bit more. It's not, not that the first rounders don't, but the first rounders get, 
quite a bit, maybe get a little more leeway. I mean, that's how I always felt when I'd watch him come into Montreal and St. Louis and wherever. But it's the later pick guys, I'm like, okay, let's see what they got because it's going to be, it's not going to be quite as easy. We treat them all the same, but let's be honest, there is definitely a, a pecking order for sure. And these guys, when they come through, it, it's exciting. Now, uh, shifting gears a little bit, one of the things that I really enjoyed when uh, Jerome was getting his jersey retired was some of the stories you were telling about how teams would poke the bear and that would kind of anger him a little bit. And we've seen in the uh, the, the Last Dance, the, the documentary with MJ, where he would kind of make up things sometimes, like a guy didn't say hi to him at dinner one night and he torched them for 60 the next game. Would you ever make up something to get Jerome going like, hey, did you hear what Adam Denmar said about you? Would you ever have to kind of poke the bear on your own to get him rolling? Oh, you know what? I mean, it wasn't hard. You, you would because you knew that's what he was like. So you'd be like, I just think Bertuzzi said something. Like he's like, what? Are you kidding me? What has he got? He's not even coming near me out here. <laughs> like when we played Vancouver, like it was so easy to get him going that it uh, it didn't take much. You just have to say because you'd always say, what did that guy say? I'm like, ah, oh, he was just chirping. It's no big deal. He goes, you know, you know, you can't skate backwards, whatever. He's like, what? <laughs> But a lot of times, it was amazing how many guys, though, thought they would challenge him and that that was going to be a good thing for them, for their team. And I'm thinking, this is great for us. I just would sit back and let him go. You know, and you're like, I mean, I try to tell Avery every time he came in to play us in L.A., I'm like, Ace, just, just let him sleep. Like, he, sometimes he can sleep. Like, just, he's like, oh, yeah, you and your buddy, I'm going to get him going. And sure enough, and then they, they beat us. I'm like, what? Well, Good job, Ace. You had two more goals tonight. You got in a fight. Like, we don't want this. But, yeah, it never took much. And the one thing about Jerome, like, is he's got a long fuse off the ice. On the ice, it is, like, quick. He goes from, like, zero to 100 in, like, a split second. You're like, what just and, – and sometimes I don't even know what happened out there. And he's just losing it. <laughs> but I, I'm like, oh, this is great. I don't, I don't know what happened. But, uh, and that's what I always said, like, Gio was like, why does Drum want to fight me all the time? I'm like, gee, let's be honest. He's skating to the bench after the play. You two-hand him behind the legs, and then you wonder why he's pissed off at you. <laughs> he's like, oh, that was a love tap. That was a love tap, Connie. <laughs> you know? So, then Jerome's like, I am going to kill him. <laughs> so... But that's how easy it was to get him fired up. I mean, just tap him on the back of the legs and, you know, and he loves Gio and their buddies. But I'm like, he's like, I'm like, oh, God, he wants to kill Gio right now. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, uh, everyone loves the, the 2004 team. Um, if this pandemic was happening during that 04 season, you had this long break. Uh, do you have any teammates that you would worry about staying in shape? And why would that teammate be Rhett Warner? Because he had too much fun. Let's be honest. Him, <laughs> Reggie, Commodore, Monty, pretty much I'd be worried about Kipper. I'd be worried about the whole team. Pretty much, except for maybe a few guys. That team, uh, Sean Donovan could eat more, more food than most people I ever saw, and as skinny as he was, like, I'd be like, how does this guy eat all those? You know those big King Snicker bars? He can mm -hmm. eat three, like, in 10 seconds. I'm like, did he just eat three of those? He's like, oh, I was starving, Connie. <laughs> but never gained a weight, never a pound. Like, it was amazing. But, uh, yeah, I would be pretty much that whole team, I'd be, I'd be very nervous. I mean, and let's be honest, Rhett and Reggie were the ringleaders of that crew, the young guys going out, all the fun stuff. But, uh, yeah, they didn't always eat well. I mean, I think Rhett 
would have more nachos than anybody, hands down. Like, you're like, geez, I'm wrecking eat. <laughs> Chatting with uh, Craig you know Conroy. Oh. It would be a lot of fun. Let's put it that way, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure they wouldn't be bored. That's uh, that's for certain. Uh, chatting with Craig Conroy here on Pinner and Steinberg. Lou? Uh, Mr. Conroy, I don't have enough time to ask you all the questions I'd like, but I, I'd want to start with this. So you spend your whole life, you know, having a dream and playing in the NHL and having an excellent career, and then you move into management. So whether it was in your first um, scouting meetings or your new role, how quickly um, did you sit back at home or with your wife and go, well, I thought it might be this, but this is something maybe very different than what I bargained for. Well, it, did, it didn't take long, Lou. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, you as a player, you think you know what's going on. Like you think you know what's going on, what's going on up above, everything, and really you don't really know anything. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Like I mean, I remember the first day they bring you in, they give me my computer. They're like, okay, this is rink net. This is you know, and you're like, what? Like how do I? This is where you schedule. This is where you put all your your receipts. Everything goes. I mean, they kind of walk you through it, but it, for them, it's nothing. But for me, I'm like, oh, boy, I'm like, you know, just to kind of get up to speed, how you do your travel, how you do everything. Like it was, you know, in the meetings, you know, I remember it was pretty quiet in those first few meetings, just kind of listening, trying to get a feel, you know, the read on players, the different terminology everybody uses. Because everybody's got their own thing. I think Tommy Webster, uh, who just passed away this year, was really helpful to me. You know, he said, hey, Craig, you have to, whoever you like, doesn't matter if I like him, if Todd likes him, if if you like a player, then put it down. You know what? You like that player and why you like that player. I mean, you played a long time. Who would you want to play with as a winger? Who would you want to play with as a, you know, to work with as a defenseman? Who, you know, that's what you need to do. Kind of put yourself in those different players' positions. And then, you know, what makes you feel like, I want that guy to be a Calgary Flame? You know, he goes, and we're going to be wrong, Craig. We're going to be wrong a lot can't be wrong too much you know every time but we want to make sure you know you're thorough we do all the background everything we do so it was uh you know the scouting part's hard because you're like i like this guy i don't like that guy then you go back the next game like whoa that guy was awesome you you know you then you're thinking oh it was just a bad game so you know that's why we talk about we want so many viewings on guys because they they might just have one bad game if you went to one or two or three games they could have a couple of bad games out of those, but you know, if you get to four five, six, seven, you know, all of a sudden you're like, okay, this is, you want to paint a picture of kind of what this guy is going to be, what kind of player he's going to be in the NHL and maybe who, who he's going to, you know, everybody's different, but his style of play is going to relate to probably someone in the NHL. Who would he fit in with? And that's kind of what, uh, how it started, but the meetings were battles. I mean, I would sit there. And I love it though, because it was those were the meetings with battles and trade deadline. It's all great. Cause I got moved a couple of times at the deadline. <laughs> so not to be getting moved was a great feeling, but it also was a hard feeling, especially with having our guys here. Like when we moved to Rome, that was not very fun, you know? So there was some definitely huge learning curve for me as far as the coaching side, the, everything that kind of went on. 
And luckily for me, Ken King let me see into the business side a little bit. And that was amazing too. I mean, to see how they do that. I mean, and it's amazing salesmen. I don't know if I could sell like that. Wally Sear and, and the guys, they do an amazing job. I mean, it's uh, it, it just it just flows. You know, it's like watching Wayne Gretzky play hockey. That's how these guys do it. And, uh, you know, that was a huge learning curve for me too. And Ken was definitely the best at it. I mean, he, he could get money out of it. I'm like, how did you just do that? He's like, oh, no. And so I just gave him the walk. And they took it. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know if they wanted that or not. <laughs> so, you know, it was just uh, overall it was a learning curve. But I bet you it was a couple of years before you really felt comfortable. You know, you get a little nervous in the meetings. And, you know, you just you want to do the right thing all the time and make the right play. But you have to learn, hey, you're going to make mistakes. Just go with your heart. And you've done the work and kind of put put it out there. Craig, I've uh... – had the pleasure of, of dealing with you in a number of different roles, whether it was getting to know you just a little bit as a player in my early days. And now, um, you know, some of my favorite Craig Conroy times, to be honest, or when Craig and I uh, spend some time together in the press box, watching some junior games and going back and forth. And I, I guess the one question that I ask today is you never walk into a room where I don't think, that you always create what I would say, and I've said this to you before, and I don't want to embarrass you, but you're one of the few people I've met in 35 years of covering the game that you have such an incredible, dynamic personality and an energy. And what I've never asked you, and I think people deserve to hear your side of it, where does that energy, like, where does that come from? Was it was it your parents? Was was it something along the way? Because um, frankly, the truth of the matter is, I just, I've never met many people like you who can bring that into just about every room, every meeting that I've ever seen you enter. Well, it's funny. I mean, people ask me that. And I have to say, it's really my mother's side of the family. If I brought you to Potsdam and we went to a you know, if you went to like a barbecue and went out and we're having a couple of beers, you'd be like, holy crap, are you kidding me? Because I'm probably not even the most over the top, I guess I would say. You know, my uncle Tommy, Stevie, it's just the whole family's like that. It's just always that's what I've been around. That's the way I've been raised. You know, you want to make everybody feel welcome. And especially growing up in a small town like that, you knew everybody. I was related to half the people, and then I knew everybody else. You walk down the street, everybody knew your name. You know, I knew them, they knew me, I knew all their kids. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the things that was just instilled. My mom was like, hey, you know what? Treat everybody with respect. Go in there, you know, no matter what you are. If you're having a bad day, no one needs to know that. You know what? Just go in. Be respectful, have fun, but bring that excitement to, to everything you do. And he goes, you know, people, it's contagious. People will want to be around you. That's, you know, part of the, what you have to do. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and it just kind of came naturally, though. But I enjoy it, too. I mean, I go, I love walking in those scouting rooms, seeing guys, seeing guys that you haven't seen in a while, and then telling stories and sitting. I mean, that that's fun. You know, that's fun. And when you and I get back, and I know you've watched a player, you know, and I always tell you, you'd be an unbelievable scout. You know more players, more information, more background than we could ever hope to know. And uh, But to be able to sit and talk back and forth with you, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with you love what you're doing. You know, you 
having fun doing it and it doesn't feel like a job. I mean, I don't want to tell Brad or anybody that, but it just feels like, Hey, <laughs> you know, you're building something here, you're trying to win something together and uh, you want good people around you. And I think that's what we have here. A lot of good people and, and a lot of good people that even are on our staff, like yourself and Pat, I mean, enjoy, enjoy talking to everybody. And even just in conversation, having a beer or whatever, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. Craig, what motivates you now more than ever? What, when you get out of bed in the morning and, and, you know, you go to the rink or when things are even, even today on what, what for you is kind of next and what excites you the most about what's kind of left in your journey? Cause I think there's going to be, you know, some more pretty neat things before your hockey days are all said and done. For me, it really is. I mean, it's so simple. It's just a Stanley Cup. It is just a Stanley Cup. I mean, that's what that drives you. You know, I think, especially now, you watch the 0-4 run, you watch, you know, you see the 80-19 playing, you see them, and you think, God, I want to do that again, and I want to do it for Calgary. You know, and I want to do it for every guy, you know, the Matthew Kachucks, the David Riddich, all these guys on the team, you want them all to experience that and experience together because they're great guys. But, you know, my part is helping to put that team together and hopefully getting them there, you know, to the final goal, which is win a Stanley Cup. Because there's no better feeling. I mean, we've only won one round since I've been on management side. And it was – I've never been so excited after a win when we beat Vancouver to go to the second round. I mean, it just – I can't even imagine if we won four rounds. You know, it just – because, I mean, I, every game, I enjoy every game. I have fun at the games. I, you know, it's, but you, you're working. But, like, that first playoff round and every playoff game really sense, it's just a whole other level. You're thinking, now we have a chance. Our goal is to win a Stanley Cup, and here we go. You know, unfortunately, we haven't done it yet, but that's what drives me every day, you know. How do we get these guys? And it's also to see young players play in the NHL. You know, nothing, I mean, that's why when, you know, Phillips was called up, and didn't get that first game, it killed me. It killed me. <laughs> and then and then he got hurt. I was like, what? You know, but that's that's what happens. You know, that's that's pro sport and that's part of the game. But, you know, in my mind I thought, you know, I like I tell everybody, the worst day I ever have is when we make cuts. And because I was that guy. I was the one that was cut. I wasn't I mean, everybody's goal is to play in the NHL and some guys aren't ever gonna play there. They're only gonna play maybe in the American League, which is still great but they have a dream to play in the NHL. So, you know, I guess to win a Stanley Cup the first thing and then get as many of these young guys as we can playing in the NHL is, uh, is what drives me and motivates me to, to keep going every day. That's just a little bit, and I mean it, that was a long, ch- long chunk, but just a little bit of our conversation with Craig Conroy. All of it up right now at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Some more stories still to be told there with the AGM of the Calgary Flames. That'll wrap us up in conversation with Ron McLean's coming up next and some classic Blue Jays action after that. Uh, I want to say thank you to Peter Labardius, to Peter Klein, and of course, the man keeping it all together, Logan Gordon. Thank you to everybody this week. Have yourself a great long weekend. We will talk Talk to you again on Tuesday. Be safe, but have fun. Uh, and uh, we're just going to keep on getting through this thing together. We'll talk to you Tuesday. This has been Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 
Ever wondered what Brett Kissel's favorite pizza topping is or how he would spend his perfect Sunday morning? Right now, you can enter to win a private virtual house party with the country singer himself plus 10 of your friends. Brett will answer all your burning questions and even perform a short music set. Want a shot at joining Brett Kissel's virtual house party? Enter online now at airmiles.ca slash with the band. No purchase necessary. Contest ends May 17th, 2020. Contest rules apply.